Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Uh, Remember that time we gave our moms the best Mother's Day gift of all time? Yeah, that song we got from Songfinch. I mean, I still sometimes listen to it. I do too. If you guys ever want to travel back to our uh, one of our earlier episodes uh, during Mother's Day, take a trip, take a trip, because we got this awesome song made by a company called Songfinch, where they took our personal memories and wrote like a custom song for us. Pretty sure we both cried. And our moms. And our moms all cried. It's honestly the perfect gift and the most personable gift. Um, Basically, what Songfinch is, is it's a personalized gifting platform that brings your stories, feelings, and memories to life through one-of-a-kind songs from scratch. Using your unique stories along with your desired genre, vocalist, gender, and song moods, they curate the perfect professional songwriter to handcraft the most personal gift you could possibly give. They make songs from scratch and they're delivered within only seven days. And they have a songwriting community of about 250 people uh, that are professional musicians and it's growing every week. So more and more people, more and more opportunities. And your song lives on a personal URL called your story homepage where you can listen and download the song, read the lyrics, learn about your songwriter and share your song with whoever you want. So some options for what you might use Songfinch for include weddings. So like a first dance, a mother Sundance, father, daughter, etc. Uh, you can use it for an, an anniversary gift, uh, whether that's relationship or work. Obviously, birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, Christmas, um, birth of a child or pregnancy announcement. I mean, the opportunities are honestly endless. You choose the recipient, the occasion, and the desired reaction. And once you write in your personal stories, your memories, and your feelings, or anything you want included in the song, you can then choose your vocalist, like I said, male, female, or a surprise, and you can choose your genre and the mood you'd like your song to be in. And within seven days, you have a personalized song created and delivered to you. So if you guys want to check out Songfinch and get someone you love a really awesome personal gift, use our promo code WHYWEDRINK and you'll get $20 off your Songfinch song. It's really honestly worth it. It's so good. Ever since we got our song, like I am definitely going to use them again and we're never going to get our parents anything better no. for mother's day <laughs> it's it's a real quality song i mean they are professional musicians professional songwriters. <laughs> it's like this isn't just someone like humming a tune and writing something for you this is like i'll do that for real, you real no no song finch will do this for you. <laughs> this is 
a real deal. So well, try so it. You try it. Use Why We Drink for $20 off your song. You won't regret it. You'll love it like we did. And please, if you do use it, share the song with us. We'd love to hear it. Why are you laughing? Because um, my boss does this thing where I get every Thursday, I get weekly live texts from her like live responses as she listens to our podcast oh. <laughs> uh today it started out with you can go ahead and tell christine that i don't kill living organisms but gnats and flies don't fucking count kill them all <laughs> so, <laughs> was that from way back when no remember you had a fly in your cup last week oh oh she know? said that oh, yeah. i thought she was like quoting you no no she's just letting me know that i should let you know gnats are living creatures no they're not um she also I told her that I'd probably just say that on the show. And she said, great. I feel like a million fucking bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love it. So anyway, What's her name Renee Renee. That's my best friend's name. Oh, well, your best friend and my boss are the same person, I guess. Clearly. Um, anyway, why? Are you, uh, hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> anyway, I'll be getting texts about this exact thing next Thursday. That's trippy. Whoa. 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 Is it, whoa is me. Christine, tell me about your day. Okay, here's what's happening. I'm really in need of a stiff drink. Oh, well, you're not on your whole 30 anymore. Thank goodness. Because um, I'm a seasoned traveler. Oh, my. And <laughs> yes, sometimes things just go awry, even when you're a seasoned traveler. Explain to me just what you mean. Again, Sober Christine. Sober Christine is not our friend. Because every time Sober Christine comes out to play, trouble happens. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is, but you just need to have a glass of wine in your hand at all times for nothing to go wrong. The wine bra, I need to make more better use of it. You were on a plane. I should have made better use of it. All mm-hmm. the security probably would have been like, why? Why are your boobs liquid? Why are you can't carry four <laughs> ounces of liquid why inside Why are you lactating boobs? wine? Oh, gross. <laughs> um someone invent that trademark okay <laughs> so i i was like let's leave for the airport at two and blaze is one of those people who gets like really he wants to leave for the airport like 17 hours early so he's like no we gotta like hurry up and go so we're there and he's like stressed because he thinks we're gonna miss the plane and it's cincinnati and i'm like don't worry about it like we're not gonna miss the plane we have plenty of time security's short we're in security and blaze's delta app stops working and his ticket is like you have zero tickets available and so he starts panicking and just goes like running, like just turns to me and goes, well, I have to go to the check-in line, leaves me in security and like takes off. And he's like, get on the plane if I don't make it. And I was like, what, what? the hell? So I like keep going through security and I find, I'm like, whatever, he's being dramatic. So I get to the gate and he's like, I'm on my way. And I'm like, they haven't even started boarding yet. So he gets there and we're both out of breath and we're like, we made it. And then I looked at him and I was like, where's my bag? And he was like... <laughs> I thought you had it. And I was like, no, I thought you had it. And he was like, Christine, I gave it to you. And I was like, no, you didn't. You <laughs> ran away. Turns out he had like dropped it next to me as he was running to the gate or to the check-in counter. And I had no idea. So I just kept walking with the crowd and it was left in the middle of the TSA line. And so I'm like, fuck. And he's like, just leave it. We're not going to make it. And I'm like, no, I'm going to make it. And so I start like running all the way down. And since then he has like this fucking mile long thing. So I'm running past all the like little trains and stuff. Yeah. And I finally make it there. And I'm like, and I get these texts from Blaze and he's like, come back. 
you're not going to make it. I promise I'll replace everything in your bag. And I was like, you can't replace a 2002 SpongeBob landline phone because (laughs) my mom had like found it amongst my belongings. And so I packed it in my bag. (laughs) I saw that you tweeted that out or like posted that screenshot of your text with Blaze. And I thought there was no way that was actually a real text. It was like, I thought you saw that online somewhere and was like, oh, this is similar to conversations I've had with Blaze. No. Had no idea that was actually like something you wrote. You thought I just like photoshopped the name Blaze onto it? I thought it was just like a Tumblr post. I didn't really. Are you serious? It looks stupid enough to be one. (laughs) Yes. So I'm like, you can't replace my two. You can replace my clothes, but you can't replace my SpongeBob landline phone. And so I'm like, and he's like, within seconds, he sends me an Amazon link to the fucking exact same spot. And I was like, that's not the point. So I went running and I got to TSA and like, lo and behold, there's fucking security agents going through my shit with gloves and like, fucking. Oh, because I think it's a bomb. Yeah, because it was dropped in the middle of the security oh, line. no. Yeah, like a big black duffel bag. And I'm like, fuck. So I run over to these guys and they're just like, what is it? And I'm like, man, I left my bag on the floor. And they were like, oh my God. But also like, Someone would put a bomb in something as fucking shady as a 2002 SpongeBob landline phone. Well, thank you. I know. So I'm like, how the fuck? <laughs> how do you explain it? that I, away? Well, so he no, goes. No, this is normal for to be in my bag. He's like, what was in the bag? And I was like, clothes, my clothes. I don't know my underwear, my clothes. And he's like, what else? I was like, I had some shoes in there. He's like, okay, but that's not enough description to like give you the bag back. And I was like, there's a SpongeBob phone. And he just like looks at <laughs> He's me. Like, okay, is this what you want? Is that what you want from I'll me? I'll admit it. I'll admit it, guy. <laughs> so I said it out loud, and they both kind of like looked at each other. And he's like, all right, just go get it. And so I got it back, and I ran all the way there, back to the gate. We were like happy. I was like, thank God we did it. And then I see these people like laughing or pointing at us. And I'm like, why is everyone pointing at us? Then I realized Blaze and I are wearing the same shirt. So I didn't know. That's just like a little detail. We were wearing the same, and that's why we drink shirts. So we looked like big <laughs> dorks. <laughs> I thought all these people were like, oh, they're so cute. No, they just were like, why are they wearing matching shirts to the airport? And then I fucking get on a plane, and I get all the way to L.A., and we're waiting for our Uber. The Uber's pulling up, and I go, I don't have my phone. And so then we spent the next three hours. I got a security pass to go back into the airport, into like the past security. I had to go back through security. Looked everywhere for my phone. Nobody had it. Blaze was pissed because he was like, how are, do you keep doing this? <laughs> and then finally we got home and I'm like, I don't have a phone. We had like, you and I had phone Oh, you calls. had a phone. What? Oh, I had yeah, a landline. You, you had a 2002 <laughs> well, SpongeBob phone. I was like, I jinxed myself because I was like, I can't go anywhere without that SpongeBob phone. And then everyone, the universe was like, fine, we'll take your iPhone instead. And I was like, that <laughs> was not an equal Exchange. It's not a trade-off. Not a good trade-off. So I was really pissed at myself for losing it on the plane. Turns out someone fucking snatched it out of my bag at the airport, like in an elevator. Like someone actually stole your phone. S- like pickpocketed me, which is the second like time that's Oliver happened. Oliver Twist. Like Oliver twisted me in an airport or in an elevator. <laughs> and then they fucking turned it on in downtown LA and then turned it off immediately. So I had to go out and shell another like, what, 800 bucks on an iPhone this week, which was not in my budgetary plans. Anyway, I'm sweating a lot right now, so can you start talking? <laughs> yeah, so then the next day, Christine goes out to a bar with uh, me and Allison and Blaze and Alexander there and a bunch of our friends. Oh, We're having like, a little get-together. I forgot about this. And Christine's like, it's the only thing I've ever like really lost that was super important. <laughs> and then all of a sudden... Fit everywhere. <laughs> then like 10 minutes later, Blaze is like looking under the table and at like other tables farther away than where we have even been. <laughs> And he's like, Christine, what the fuck is wrong with you? And Christine's like, 
what's going on? And Blaze literally goes <laughs> to the ground and picks up her social security card. <laughs> Like four tables away from where we were even sitting. And then she was like, how did that get there? And then he was like, and then he walked to another table, like two tables away and was like, is this your insurance card? And then just a bunch of paperwork. My library card was at another table. I don't know how that happened. Well, and then I was like, I didn't bring my social security card. And he's like, Christine, it's your social security card. What do you mean? Like, obviously. And I was like, I can't argue with that. So basically, Christine can't be trusted with anything personal or expensive or irreplaceable i'm literally so embarrassed right now so anyway (laughs) that's what happened um uh, so why are you drinking i'm drinking because mercury's in retrograde for the next three weeks i know i think that's what i blame my social security and my phone on yeah but it also went into retrograde this morning so like i know but it was like the like the pre like a little preemptive like pms pre-metro oh right pre-mercury like you're not it's not you're not actually experiencing pre-mercury season pre-mercury season right you just have the cramps and you're pissed the bad parts Mm -hmm. where i just you know yes okay physiological retrograde it's like the universe is on its period oh and i suffered the consequences so you're ovulating is what's happening yes isn't that the week before yes i don't know okay (laughs) blaze are you there blaze are you blaze um okay so also i my laundry no my laundry machine's fine my dryer is broken oh i was supposed to bring laundry to do all we record oh whoops so um so i can't do my laundry you and allison just like bring your laundry over nowadays well i was about to become another allison i've never actually done laundry at someone else's place but today was going to be the first time and then i forgot i'm sorry your dryer's broken i am too i went to i'm gonna sound like the most spoiled fucking person on earth and i know it but i had never gone to a laundromat before this week Today I went to a lawn or, or when Monday I went to a laundromat for the first time. How I looked like it? an idiot. I looked like a total idiot. Like the guy who worked there was like, you've never come gone to a laundromat before, have you? And I was like, D- is it obvious? I mean, I, I, I was going to say at least you weren't holding Starbucks, but I don't know that for a fact. So no, I was not holding okay. Starbucks. Thank God. But I um, <clears throat> went in there with my clothes and ap- apparently the place that i went to doesn't do coins anymore they do like a, a card mm-hmm. is that common now i don't know. i think so yeah well so i was like well, how do i get a card and put money on it and he was like you're standing right next to the machine and i was like well fuck me so great so i already it's looked like, like an idiot some there. apartment buildings oh you know oh yeah i i just never thought about it i don't know anyway it went fine i just it was an experience and the guy definitely watched me the entire time because he assumed that I was going to fuck up at some point. I'm just going like, to break all the it's machines. It's like, I've done my laundry before, just not in a public place. You never Sorry. know in LA. I mean, they have all these services. I thought you were going to say, I sound like a spilled brat. I had someone like pick up my laundry and do Well, it. they had an option called like fluff and fold where you drop it off overnight and you come back and pick up your yeah. laundry. I almost did I, that. I'm tempted to do those sometimes when it's, I mean, before I had a laundry machine, like a washer dryer i was so was tempted sometimes when i was working to just like hire one of those people to like pick my clothes up drop them off folded i was like what a brilliant fucking invention i mean i thought about doing it and i literally only stopped myself because i was like that's too fucking bougie this like, guy has been staring at me for <laughs> two like, hours I'm, i have to at least try the laundromat on my own <laughs> once before i like purchase a fluff and fold service you're so brave 
I, yeah, my my mother would probably hiss at the thought of me in a laundromat, but I here can we are. just hear everyone applauding you and your bravery. No, I can hear the other fifty percent of our listeners rolling their eyes at how fucking spoiled I've been, where I never had to go to a laundromat before. First world problems. We're full of them. Anyway, that's why I drink because I had to do my laundry. It must be hard out of my own home. Must be hard. Um, I just wanted to say that first of all, this episode is dedicated to one of our patrons named Aaron May. Aaron May. I thank you for sponsoring this episode. Mother, may I? <coughs> no, Aaron. Aaron, may I? Aaron, may I? Aaron, may I continue? Yeah. To thank well, you. I'm, okay. Okay. So thank you, Aaron, for supporting us for, I think, five months now Ooh. at the $25 level. Aaron. Aaron. He's like putting us on his bankroll, man. Thank you kindly. Thank you kindly. Um, I also want to say, if you're on the fence about CrimeCon, consider this your sign from the universe. This is your sign. We're telling you, we're working, I don't know if Em knows this, so... Oh, God. Sorry, Em. Once again, I'm the irresponsible one. Let's hear it. Uh, we're working on possibly putting together a live show at CrimeCon. Yeah. I, it's, I, see, here's the thing. I did not know, but I also, I told myself to expect it. Yeah, I thought you maybe had. I have been cringing, white-knuckling, pretending it wasn't going to happen since I found out we even got invited to CrimeCon. Yeah, and... Um, Is it definitely happening and you're just trying to, like, wean me into this? Well, we don't have an official, like, time slot. And she <sighs> said she was going to work on that this weekend. Let us know if we get a time slot. But I think it's going to happen. Do you hear that, everyone? So we're going to be there doing our first live show ever, by the way. Um, if you use code ATWWD, email us if you use the code so we can get you your free gift. Um, we're going to do a meet and greet, and we'd love to see you. Even if you're just in Nashville, we're going to go out to a bar on Saturday night and do a big meetup. So we'll be there. If you're there, we'll be there. Also, speaking of live shows, guys, remember what we hinted at last week? Knock on wood, but it's happening. Oh, I'm holding my breath for this one. You don't want to talk. <laughs> I don't want to. I, this is exactly how I'll sound on stage, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. M's actually mute. I'm going to take over the whole show. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing a live show, guys. We're doing we're doing it in Los Angeles. Yes. In Hollywood. <laughs> well, that, you know, a I'm lot of people dying. strive to end up in Hollywood and we're starting in Hollywood. It's amazing. It's terrifying. It's terrifying and amazing anyway so the details are coming up soon but um it's a real it's a pretty small venue so once the tickets come out you kind of got to get snatch them, them up yeah right away especially because Renata's flying out to LA and so <laughs> I, I envision a couple people are going to be buying tickets so oh I want to throw up gonna post that on Twitter <laughs> we're gonna post it on Twitter and on Facebook the second tickets go live we believe the event is gonna take place May 20th that's a Sunday at 9 30 p.m so uh at the hollywood improv so get ready tickets are gonna be 20 bucks uh keep an eye on our social media so you can you know grab a ticket when you get the chance you can meet renata have a drink yep watch me pass out on stage it'll be a good time watch em's downfall oh it's already begun (laughs) (laughs) uh so sorry we talked so much i'm ready to go whenever you actually i'm not because i need a drink but then i'm ready to go Okay, so should we go get drinks? Yeah. Okay, guys, just listen to this commercial while we're at it. Okay. Okay. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. 
Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly. This is the perfect thing for your outdoor space. They also just launched a new standing desk, co-pilot with adjustable height, a durable scratch-resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever. I'm in the market for a new desk, um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark. And of course, there's Burroughs Legacy seating collections like the Nomad and Range, now available in new colors. And M and I, that's like the only piece of furniture I think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department. Love that thing. And that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are on air. Did you enjoy that commercial? Was it good for you? Yes, I did. Oh, you're not talking to me. No. Oh, we didn't listen to it. We just said it. We just plugged. I our bet eight. we were so funny. We are. I know we were funny. We weren't. Do you want to hear a story? <laughs> That's how I feel about being on stage. By the way, no, I want to hear another commercial. <clears throat> Ready? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> also, guys, please, if you do come to our live shows, please laugh like obnoxiously <laughs> loud. Like my biggest fear is that like I've. I- I'm really afraid. I've addressed this to Christine, but here's the thing that none of you are aware of, or maybe you're aware of, but like, it's probably a slim pick out of you that the awareness that Christine and I, when we record these, like we don't hear anyone laugh. We need to entertain each other, which is not very hard. So in my mind, I, I mean, not even in my mind, in reality, I've never heard anyone laugh to this show. So the thought of going on a stage never having heard anyone react to us freaks me out because for all I know, it's just going to be silent. I keep saying that and I'm like, it's fine. But then my throat starts closing up <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, like it's it's fine. But I also hope I don't make it. <laughs> I oh. hope I don't get there. Oh my God. Yeah. People are always like, oh, I laughed so hard. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, why? And did no, you? you didn't. You're lying to I me. I feel like everyone's just been kind to us. I'm like, Deborah, stop making shit up. 
can you guys just keep being kind to us and just laugh really hard or just make shit up and just keep keep the joke going and guys if a heckler's out there can you please defend them because i'm gonna have no don't defend them defend us oh uh, yeah <laughs> jesus everyone was like okay wait don't defend christine them. and em leave the heckler alone <laughs> they have rights no if someone tries to heckle us i'm telling you i'm gonna be in like a dissociative Nobody, fugue so people don't pay okay just we're not at the level us. where we have hecklers where people pay good money to come see people and yeah does that mean them. that's something we have to progress to I'm, Shit. I'm just saying people like lisa lampanelli get hecklers because they like Can have we, some negative thing to say let's just call lisa lampanelli and have her deal with the hecklers personally in the audience oh my god what if she just stands behind us the whole time and waits oh, ideal okay let's get through this all right let's change the subject because now i'm sweating again <sighs> okay so this is a story from terry oh hi terry 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 recommended this one What's up this is from indianapolis indiana it's not the story in it's the actual story of indianapolis actually no <laughs> a brief history <laughs> the story of indianapolis thanks terry Ter- this is terry's personal story <laughs> it is the entire history of indianapolis no i meant this t- <laughs> <laughs> the story in where my brother stayed in indianapolis no but oh. what a good story can you imagine if i actually just gave you notes on the same fucking story we've already heard from your he own brother told it in eight seconds he didn't tell like he said there's some lady that died and she's a ghost that's not the story of the story saying that a little loud when his bedroom door is cracked open all right listen a brief history of indianapolis a brief history of a building in Indianapolis called the Central State Hospital. Oh, God, I'm already scared. <laughs> All the hospital ones freak me the fuck out. Really? For me, it's the jails. It's a hospital. I mean, it's the things. I mean, really, what's the difference between a hospital and a jail? I mean, you're you're trapped in both of them. Oh and there's God. authority telling you you can't leave. I'm so deep. Wow. I mean, not necessarily Everyone go check out my live journal. Rice pudding nine or whatever. Shut the fuck up. All right, lefty sponge. Here's what I have to say. What in a hospital? I mean, if it's is it like an asylum hospital, or is it like a because a regular hospital like an asylum? Oh, because I was gonna say regular hospital. No one like forces you to stay. Well, I feel like if I'm telling you the history of a hospital, we're clearly not talking about a present day <laughs> hospital. We're not talking about. Uh, we're not talking about like a 2017 hospital, like Kaiser Permanente in Hollywood. <laughs> so this is the story of the Indianapolis Urgent Care. <laughs> The, a brief history of Indianapolis <laughs> Urgent Care. Okay. A memoir <laughs> from Terry. From Terry at Urgent Care. <laughs> a day in the life. One time Aaron got a really bad UTI and ended up in the Indianapolis Urgent Care. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a horror story. Who the hell's Aaron? Oh, did I say Aaron? You said Aaron. That's who's hosting this episode. Oh, right. Oh, I've, yeah. Aaron, I've... can you write in actually and talk about your UTI that you had at Kaiser Permanente one time? <laughs> A brief history, would you? I just saw your Patreon profile and I was like, oh. <laughs> this guy looks like he's had a UTI I, I at an Indianapolis tell. urgent care. I can tell. He just reads that. I met Terry, but Aaron, whatever. I don't know the difference. Maybe they both have an experience together. So this starts in 1848. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. 1848. 1848. It. Got it. Um, also really regretting not using my laptop today. Um, Holy <laughs> shit. That is size negative eight font. Okay, do you need me to turn this big light on? No, I want I want the mood. Uh, okay, just... Okay. I'm just going to be my grandfather and use my phone light to read Why the menu. Why don't you put on the actual light and not just put on your... Okay, all right, cool. All right. Is the mood better for you now with a flashlight gleaming into your eyeballs? No, I offered to turn the light on, so don't look at me. Okay, is this better for you? Does this still feel festive? Uh, let's just stop. I'm just going to make my 25-year-old eyes work. Okay, so... 
<clears throat> in 1848, the Indiana... It's not working so far. <laughs> the Indiana... <laughs> what is... I told... Mercury's in retrograde. You called Indiana, it. Indiana. The Indiana Hospital. Urgent care. <laughs> I need urgent care. I think I'm having a stroke. Oh, no. It's the contagious. Indiana Hospital for the Insane. Oh, okay. There we go. That sounds like 1848. That answers all my questions. It opened and admitted five people. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of insane people just yet. Really? No, I'm sure there were. There's only five different. were admitted. <laughs> um, yeah, my ancestors were around 1848. They should have probably been admitted. We were related to someone back then. I'm probably admitted to someone. Admitted. What the fuck is wrong with me? I don't know. I'm I think probably. I turn this light on. <laughs> I think I'm actually going blind. But in the brain. Oh, yeah. Mm, that. Slowly, just different parts of my brain are just shutting off. They're like, we don't need this. Like, Turn the lights off. And I'm short-circuiting. We're wasting energy. So in 1848, five people were admitted. Um, the There was two different categories among these five people, two by the way. Two categories. Mentally handicapped. Um, uh, by the way, that is the notes. That is not me. Before anyone says I'm not PC. I'm reading off of notes that I actually Listen, got. This is Terry's story. Don't blame us. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Thanks a Putting lot. Putting me in a fucking sticky situation. Terry. Typical Terry. Typical Terry. Um, the mentally handicapped who were also known as simple. Oh, my God. I did not write this. I just read it. Um, was one category. The second was the criminally insane. Oh, so my. So, my ancestors. Um, <laughs> the hospital at this point was considered... It was it was just one building, so even though it was a hospital, it was just like one small little building right. at this point. Um, and it sat on over a hundred acres of land. Fun fact. Well, wait. Oh, wow. So there were five people admitted in a hundred. It's acres like of living land. in a mansion, and you have servants, but it, the servants are nurses, and the mansion is a hospital, and it, you're criminally insane. Criminally insane. insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, like it's like just the other way of looking at things. It's just like if you look at the glass half full. You know, one of the five probably did. I mean, they must There's have. There's a 20% chance. There's a nurse bringing you, like, antipsychotics every like, day. oh, you need a water? Here. On a silver platter. Well, I mean, in 1848, I bet the water wasn't that great. Probably not. Um, they didn't have, like, Evian back then. So Brita what kind of mansion filters. is this? Jeez. Um, so in 1926, the hospital was renamed the Central State Hospital because M could not say Indiana. Um, fab. And, fab. In 1848... Uh, between 1848 and 1948, um, there were a lot more buildings built up instead of just the one on that land. Um, and they were constructed basically for the keep up because instead of five patients, by 1926, the hospital was housing over 3,000. What? Yeah, they They improved. went from five to 3,000? Everyone wanted to be in the mansion. This is no longer a mansion. I'm saying. This is like a fucking disaster. Also, I really do need to use the flashlight because I'm a fucking blind person. Can I just turn the light on? I just want to be stubborn. Yeah, you can. Okay, I just feel like it's going to be easier for you. Okay, but can you pretend it's dark and spooky in here? I will I will be so committed to the dark and spookiness. Get committed? Get it? <laughs> I will be so admitted to the criminally insane hospital. Into the light bulb. I don't know What's what. What's the matter with you? You're like staring into the, the light. What's the matter with me? You lit a candle made of broken glass. <laughs> Someone gave us tell, that. Tell, tell people I'm wrong. I'm not. 
I'm pouring glass wine. Keep talking. One of our listeners sent us a candle made from a recycled wine bottle. So adorable. Valley. It's so cool. It's amazing. And it's Shiraz scented. However, the wine bottle candle may or may not have broken and shattered into several pieces. So there's a bunch of jagged glass (laughs) holding this fucking wax together. And Christine chose to still light it on fire. And she's like, it's fine. I mean, it is. Is it not? For now, when the wax <laughs> melts all over this jacket. God damn it, Christine. Okay. Well, thank you, Mary Katrina, for sending us this. I still want to utilize it, even though it's jagged sh- shards of glass. There was a point where Gio had a piece of glass in his mouth, and we fixed that situation. Oh, good. PETA, are you listening? No. Nope. They're going to take him away. No, don't say that. Don't you say the things you're saying. I rescued him. People should have not put microphones in our faces, and by people, <laughs> I mean our own selves. People who went on the internet and purchased microphones while drinking wine. Oh, wait, that's that's me. Okay. Moving on. Let's talk about the criminally insane because I'm Because clearly we're not a part of that category. We are our own category. Uh, In 1848. That was a nice transition. Thank you. Um, In 1848, until 1948, so in that span of 100 years, uh, there were several other buildings constructed to keep up with the patient load since there were now over 3,000 patients. That is bananas. Quite a turnout. That's crazy. Um, a turnout like it's a music festival what a turnout you know what it's a mansion might as well have a festival is it well. a mansion it does not seem like a mansion well not anymore now three thousand people live there seems like a disaster so back then treatment of mental illness was new oh god i don't okay <laughs> yep all right keep going so they heavily relied on the use of restraints sure um for patients who are prone to violence and um, they were, they put a lot of the quote, worst inmates into something called retraining programs. Oh no. Uh, so the, by worst inmates, they meant the people who screamed incessantly, <laughs> who were hostile, um, and could not control their behavior. Oh my. So they were put into basements or dungeons, which they were literally called back then. Oh. And, um... They were just hung there. They weren't hanged. They what? were literally just hanging there. Hanging? By their ankles and ri- wrists. They had... Basically, okay, so in the 1950s, um, workers were renovating a bunch of tunnels because there was underground tunnels that stretched five miles wide to connect all of the buildings Holy. from the cellar. And in the 1950s, they were renovating and they more or less found a bunch of dark rooms off of these tunnels that still had chains and manacles on the walls. Oh my God. That used to hang people from their wrists and ankles. That's day so in, day out. Fucked up. To retrain them. What, oh, okay. That was the retraining program. That supposedly. makes so much sense. Um, actually in 1817, there was a superintendent there who wrote a letter to the governor of Indiana. And this was his letter. Not his whole letter, but this is a an excerpt from it. Mm-hmm. The basement dungeons are dark, humid, and foul, unfit for life of any kind, filled with maniacs who raved and howled like tortured beasts for want of light and air and food and ordinary human associations. Even the normal wards were without adequate provision for light, heat, and ventilation. Patients are forced to sleep on straw mattresses amid buildings with rotting floors and leaking roofs. Wait, so who wrote this letter? A superintendent from 1870. Who was, like, working there? Yeah. 
So he was like, this is fucked up. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he saw this. He was like writing about like the conditions. It's amazing. Like nowadays that would be a tweet. Like, I know. Like WTF. I just found this. Hashtag help. (laughs) Yep. That's hashtag leaking roof. Um, so in 1872, two years later, after he sent that letter to the governor and nothing happened, he was pissed. And so he, in protest, resigned. Mm-hmm. But also at the time, it's like for one person to quit. It's like, I mean, at cares? any time, I feel like. Yeah. All right. Sadly. I mean, it's sad because like he clearly seemed to be the only one who cared. Well, yeah, he, he had it. So eventually um, a committee was created to investigate the conditions okay so they heard him eventually great and they reported that um basically their reports were the same as his and it resulted in this like sweeping change of like treatment methods and how the facility was ran and by 1890 um there was also a lot of public awareness about abuse in hospitals and so they were like really on fire um under fire (sighs) They were on fire. They were actually on fire. The conditions were that bad. <laughs> they were like, you know what? This is unfit for... Well, there wasn't a lot of ventilation and they were on straw mats. So, <laughs> I mean, it could have, might have, you know, could have, should have, would have happened. Oh, except not. <laughs> I mean, could have, might have, Could have, not, should have, wouldn't. Anyway. Um, conditions began to improve, including scientific methods of actually researching the causes of mental illness, which they weren't doing before. They were uh, just... Uh, right. Oh, you have hysteria. They just had retraining programs that they created. They just actually would just tie you up to a walk sit in like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were too loud. So these reforms were finalized by 1894, um, which was like by this point, they were actually um, creating care that involved treating patients instead of warehousing them. Okay. So the restraints, uh, like the use of restraints was taken away. And there was actual rehabilitation and social activities that were planned. And there was an effort to actually create, like, a pleasant environment to live in. Oh, that's good. And two Victorian-like castle buildings were built for the patients. And several buildings were also created with gardens, fountains, and landscaping. I bet you they had Evian. This is the mansion we've all been waiting for. Finally. It also included a pathological department... Oh, which sounds a lot cooler than I'm sure it is. Uh, probably. Um, which is also actually still standing in is now a museum. Um, they also had a sick hospital where they treated the actual physical ailments of people with mental illness. Um, they had a farming colony, which sounds real cool. <gasps> That's cool. So they had like occupational therapy. That's really cool. They had a chapel, a rec room, a fire station, and a cannery where patients worked. A cannery? Like C-A-N-N-E-R-Y? Yeah. I thought you meant like a canary. <laughs> well, I tried actively to not say the word canary because people would be like, there's one bird they and that got mentioned. a canary. They had a canary that all 3,000 people shared. <laughs> he was their emotional. I can barely share 50% of Geo. Can you imagine sharing a 3,000th of a bird? An emotional support canary. <laughs> oh. oh my God, that's funny to me. Uh, a cannery. I bet you that's where they can things. Probably. I mean, it's where they worked. 
And then Everyone's there was also, gonna email me and be like, "You're wrong, guys. Can you not? We're just gonna Google it, and that'll solve all the problems." We always find out minutes after we do this, and, and then the, we, and then for months, months. we have because then there's some of you who will hear this episode like a year from now, and we're gonna get an we're email still in emails. 2019 about what a cannery is, and we're gonna be like, "When the fuck did we talk about canneries?" We're gonna be like, "Why are you telling us about canaries?" <laughs> also, you we're still getting disembodied feet. Remember? Oh, I know. They're People still, still are sending me that Canadian link. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we love you but we're aware we're not complaining to the people who listen to things in reverse you're about to hear a lot about disembodied feet they're like what is happening here (laughs) also i'm never emailing them because they're really rude about it we probably sound really rude i'm sorry me too i didn't mean it i love you come back wait come back don't turn it off don't okay finally ruined it we did it well now we finally have some time on our hands now you and i can just talk to each other oh and, that, and then we can start another podcast. Oh my God, let's do it. Ready? Catch you there. Okay, go. So in the path, uh, pathological department, they had a pathology lab where wow. they would do a bunch of autopsies um, and then they would share those results in lectures to medical students who regularly met there. The people who lived there, though, called this room the dead house. Uh, oh, um, and it was attached to a building that stored the bodies still awaiting autopsy. So there was just a lot of dead bodies hanging out before they even got their shot good um there was also still a lot of allegations on neglect and abuse um not to say that that was real or maybe it was i'm not like saying it's not valid but um that was still like an underlying theme even though they tried to like do all these great things they said that the nurses like still weren't like the best right i mean i feel like that even the I'm sure the laws and rules regulations weren't still not up to par. Right. And I mean, even today, there's still like right. horrible, horrible El- treatment of, of a lot of elderly people. Elderly abuse and like mental illness. Yeah. Also in the basement of the pathology lab is um, where a lot of the worst inmates were also kept. Um, so there was the dungeons. And then this was also another settler that um, supposedly housed a lot of the people who were shackled. Like, it just happens to be, like, one of the places that sits on top of the tunnels mm. where, where all the stuff was found. Right. Um, so, in the 1970s, these Victorian buildings were declared structurally unsafe and were torn down. And in another location, um, there was actually brick dorms built to house the patients instead. Oh, okay. Um, so, what's worse than living in a fucking hospital? Oh, yeah. Now having to live in a dorm in a hospital. A 1970s style brick dorm. Yeah. <laughs> Where like, you have to share a landline with your whole floor. A landline. <laughs> a SpongeBob Sponge 2002 landline. <laughs> what could be better than that? Thank you very much. Well, honestly, that would be the treat of the era if it's the 1970s and a phone from 2002 showed up. Showed up. I mean, am I have it? I would be pissed in the 70s if I got to 2002 if i time traveled and was like we still have fucking landlines that's fair why did it take that long we had some motorola you could play snake well yeah we could play snake i mean that's a pretty big plus in my opinion it was when i was 10 yeah snake was where it was at that was all you could do snake and neopets on on the internet don't you do that to me just me okay no oh no we're you, there i oh, just steer with me oof, me you. and that tangent we could go far phew okay i thought maybe for a minute i jumped too far no no okay you're at the right place at the wrong time glad we're both here so um the expense of running a large hospital combined with the claims of abuse just took it entirely down by 1994 the hospital was closed and 
also Indiana took over the property. So they restored a lot of the buildings and opened up the medical history museum, which is now, which is what oh, the pathology cool. lab was. So that still stands. The medical history museum. Mm-hmm. That's really, that cool. is something we should go to. Uh, yes. If, if we, we ever do, do a, a show. show why? In... Okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought we were going to keep going with it. Oh, in Indiana. We'll have, Oh, oh. <laughs> We'll have to go. We're never going to end up there. We can't even say because nobody's going to buy a ticket because we sound like idiots all the time. I mean, speak for yourself. Patients who died uh, on this property were buried in unmarked graves around 100 years ago. No big deal. Uh So um, they were recently discovered. Fun fact. Not very fun for them, I guess. And a significance cemetery. A significance other. I don't. What the hell are you talking about? I'm having a stroke. I'm telling you. A significant... Do you want me to call Blaze? No. You pause for a moment. I, there was a hesitation. I almost grabbed my phone. A significant cemetery site was found in the corner of the hospital's property. Like, and by significant, it means like a lot of fucking dead oh, bodies and unmarked graves. Three thousand people there at one point. Yeah, and a lot of unmarked Wait, graves. Oh, so they literally just found a this... bunch of dead bodies. No, yeah, 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 yeah. like a man-made cemetery blah, with blah, no blah, markings. Blah. No mark. Oh my god. Okay, no. So patients. Um, a lot of their remains are also still buried along the pathology building, which is the medical history that museum. Wild. So if we were to go to that museum, we would also be like standing on their fucking remains. And that's horrible. In 2003, Indianapolis bought the, all of the property. Um, and they now have plans for probably since I was 15 years ago. Um, <laughs> probably <laughs> have, uh, already created. There was a recession that you never know. <laughs> probably created a cultural center a park and have developed a lot of the land so that's the history wow all i have left for you are quotes quotes of experiences oh yeah the first one i have is from a an employee there named lewis who has worked there for over 22 years lewis what a gem lewis says and all these are long guys so i'm gonna just i'm just telling you now if you don't like hearing me read passages in voices Oh, no. In accents. Oh, uh, no. Oh, okay. In song? No. <laughs> in, in limerick, limerick? actually. Wait, that's what I was going to say. We're the, this is horrifying. We're the same person. <laughs> I like how we couldn't get a basic sentence that was expected no. of us out, but we c- both knew limerick was coming out. We couldn't say Indiana at the same time, but we can oh, say Oh, I can't say Indiana on my own. Oh, you can't. <laughs> Did you hear me earlier? Indiana, no. Indiana banana. So, um, Lewis says this long ass passage and i'm sorry don't just i here we go we support you maybe put in some nice music here some eerie shit all right let's put some like gloomy eerie cemetery maybe music. maybe a wailing moan in the back i thought you meant like whale sounds oh oh <laughs> what if i just read it all in whale <laughs> okay my stepdad has a cd that i found in his car called like whale songs to listen to and everyone has that i, CD. I still have it and it, i maybe i'll put that underneath here oh Good. Okay. Lewis says, <clears throat> I hear them all the time. Anybody could. You have to be perceptive, but you can definitely hear them. You hear them on the grounds. There's crying, sometimes screaming, like you used to hear when the patients were still here. Uh. While I worked here, we had patients who would scream constantly who suffered. We even had one patient who hung himself. <laughs> Sometimes at night you can still hear him scream and moan. Sometimes you can still hear the wood creak that he oh, hung the noose no. around. What the fuck? 
At one time, a patient was literally stoned to death <gasps> by another patient in a grove of trees that shade one side of the grounds. I remember that the patient who did it was immediately shipped to a hospital afterwards. By the way, you're out of fucking hospital. Wait, what do you mean shipped to a hospital? Like another one? I... But when you walk by that grove of trees at night, you can still hear him screaming and moaning coming right out of the trees. That just gave me chills. At night, when I have been working the guard shack, I have seen what looks like patients run by and into the street. <gasps> they just look like blurs. And then he pointed to a couple gates and said, These gates used to be there to help keep some of the patients in the hospital, and every so often, one of them would try to get out by running past the gates. We guards would have to go after them. Several times since the patients have moved out, I still have to run after them. <gasps> what the fuck, Lewis? So there's Lewis. Lewis. How do we feel? Ugh, creeped out. Get creeped out again, because here's Mr. Gray. Mr. Gray? <laughs> oh, no, not that Mr. Gray. He's got some... What? what? He's got 50 shades to talk about. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're absurd. I'm not even going to comment on that. Can you imagine a haunted Fifty Shades? That would be interesting. Wait, trademark. Uh, <coughs> right. You have to copyright it. Okay. Trademark. Call the lawyer. Copyright. Okay. Yeah. Let's call. Let's call, call the lawyer. The lawyer. <laughs> the lawyer. Get me the lawyer. Me. <laughs> I never understood that. Why, like in movies, they'd be like, "Get me Boston. Get me <laughs> New York on the phone." It's like, who the fuck, of all the people in New York, who am I supposed to get? Get lawyer on the phone right get now. Get the lawyer on the phone. Trademark. <clears throat> so here's Mr. Gray. Another passage of the same length. Mr. Gray says, Over the old powerhouse, we used to have to go down and pull ashes twice during our shift at night. We would go down there and pull ashes while the boiler operator stayed upstairs at his post. That's when it would happen. I swear we used to hear what sounded like a woman screaming and moaning in the corner. Ugh. We would look around and see the place, but there wasn't anyone down there but us. I used to sit there while we took a break from shoveling the ashes, and I would swear that I could see the shadows or people moving from column to column. There are several big columns in the room, and I would catch their movements between them. Ugh. It got me so scared that I looked all over the place and would find nothing. I absolutely knew that I saw something down there out of the corner of my eye. I had a coworker, Ron, who got really spooked one time when he was down there taking a nap late one night. I was taking a break upstairs when he came up and said that he had been awakened from his sleep with the strong sensation of being strangled. <gasps> he said someone was choking me down there. He then went on to say, I could feel their hands around my neck, but when I broke loose and went and turned on the light, there was nobody there. Oh, God. When I told him he was probably just nuts, he had... <laughs> oh, you, I thought he was going to say, you were probably just dreaming. You were probably just nuts. Well, he said, I told him he was nuts that he was probably just having a bad dream. Okay. But he looked me square in the eye and said, then what about this? Pulled down the, sh the neck of his shirt. No. And sure enough, there were deep, dark red marks on his throat of fingerprints no. like somebody had just pressed there. What the fuck? Fifty Shades of Grey indeed, man. Fifty Shades of Grey has another passage he would like to say. <clears throat> I'm ready. Mr. Grey continues. In the basement of the old powerhouse, we had a conveyor belt that used to be used to carry coal to the boiler. There was a switch on it from the far wall, and I, I remember you had to press it hard to turn it on. Well, one night I was in that room with the boiler operator, and we were the only ones in the building. We were sitting at a table just talking when suddenly we heard the click of the switch on the far side of the room and the belt turned on. 
We were shocked, but we went over and turned it off. And then we searched the entire area, but we were the only ones there. <sighs> Later, we were walking out of the building, and as we walked to the door, we heard a hum coming from the basement we had just come from. We listened for a minute and realized it was definitely the conveyor belt that had turned itself back on. Oh, my God. I asked the other man with me if he wanted to go down and see what was going on. And he said, there is no way in hell I'm going back down there. So we locked up the building and left with the conveyor belt still going. Oh, my God. They just left it? <laughs> Fuck that. Jesus. He continues. A lot of times I'm in the administration building at night all by myself. Many times I have heard what sounds like footsteps going up and down the halls. At first I thought there were just sounds of animals, and then I realized that these animals were wearing high heels. <laughs> Which, I know Gio loves a good high heel, but... This is a weird Fifty Shades of Grey sequel. This is a Fifty Shades of animal, high heel animal, I don't know. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> I don't know, I was trying to get crafty with it, I could, it's too, I'm too... I'm not on today, clearly. Um, when you come to a pitch meeting, you got to be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. He says, I was in the main hall in the administration building, sitting back in a chair with my eyes closed, when I heard the clear sound of footsteps crossing the tile floor of the main lobby. They walked across the lobby and came straight toward the big sliding window at the front of the office. I thought maybe someone had come into the building unexpectedly, so I got up to and went to the window, but there was no one there. However, as I stood there, looking into the empty lobby, I could hear the footsteps walking away from the building in the window. I could trace where the person should have been from the sound of the steps, but I was the only person in the entire building. Honestly, that whole time I was just picturing Geo in high heels, because you really put that in my brain. I hope every... Guys, listeners, artsy listeners, if I don't get <laughs> do not, some sort do of not art put, listen. of Geo cross-dressing... Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say you're going to get shoes for high oh, heels i don't want high, oh but if if you guys no, can find doggy high the heels for those vet bills i can hardly <laughs> i don't have the money you're right poor geo would break all of his feet i mean knowing me how i injure myself in high heels geo would not fare much better to be honest so okay i just want art of geo Depiction, in high heels depictions are fine geo in drag sure oh i can't wait okay moving on he so does love a good sequin bandana okay but so do i <laughs> I'm saying Twinning. Yeah. So okay so The next one I'm ready um, If you haven't caught on the rest of I have said all these are quotes right um, You did tell me this Okay yes. I have a couple left for you So <clears throat> this woman Sandra A Sandra A good Sandra I'm glad we're moving on from Mr. Gray Like I feel like he was a little I bit, was over it from the beginning He was like uh, just like talking a little much he does. He's a little mouthy. Little, so, a little mouthy. Sandra's a nurse, and Lo she worked at the hospital for six years wow. during the eighties and nineties. Wow! 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 She says that she, when she was new, she started talking to a bunch of nurses and went out to lunch with them. And over coffee, quote, the nurses began to talk, and one stated that she refused to enter the quote catacombs oh. after dark, especially since quote. Agnes, which that's how we know how old the story is. Agnes, I've okay. Especially since Agnes told me about walking and talking to her friend down there. Yeah. P.S. My aunt is named Agnes, but it's my favorite murder made fun of that name recently, and is like, there's not a person named Agnes or Barbara, and I'm like, 
My aunt's names are Agnes and Barbara. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but they're very... I've met Barbaras before, but I truly have not met an Agnes that's not at least well, 70 years old. come to my wedding. Well, I intend to. I have to marry you. Right. You have. You should probably be there. I do love the people that listen in reverse because they think we're getting married. Oh, sh- don't ruin it for oh, them. But, I mean, they think Our the wedding. truth. So, Sandra says... Especially since Agnes told me about talking to her friend down there. Right, right, sure. Her friend Barbara. Her, yep. (sighs) Can you imagine if that was right? That would creep me the fuck out. (laughs) Several years before, apparently in this hospital, a male patient named Alvin, not Barbara, was suddenly found to be missing from the institution. Uh Oh. Alvin was in a non-secure ward and was not considered dangerous, so when they couldn't find him, they just assumed he had a successful escape. (laughs) Just like, great, Alvin. They're like, eh, whatever. Someone had to do it. Alvin and his chipmunks just broke, <laughs> broke free. Aw. Sounds like a movie. Can you imagine if the chipmunks had a pet canary? I'm imagining it. And Who I'm would be bigger? Really supporting it. Imagine having a pet that's like actually the size of you. So, anyway, Alvin went missing. They all applauded. Um, the well, wh- They applauded? Well, they didn't stop him. <laughs> it's like when i eat another donut i'm like i should eat another donut from the break room and then i do and no one stops me and then, <laughs> and then like a round of in applause my brain, they just start applauding and then nickelodeon <laughs> cheers for you and make a show about you i mean that's pretty much how i'm gonna think of it from now on so anyway alvin left got it the whole hospital was searched they could not find him it was assumed that he somehow just wandered off okay. um it was apparently a very popular opinion and then this nurse that Sandra's hanging out with said, my friend told me um, that one of the women on her ward, a lady named Agnes, mm. apparently Agnes suddenly began wandering off on her own after Alvin disappeared. Uh-oh. She would just disappear from the ward and they would have to search for her. Inevitably, she would be found on the steps that led down to the catacombs just sitting by herself. Wait, wait. So is she a nurse, too? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh So no. just basically, like... She would just, like, be on her shift and, like, nobody could find her. She would just go missing on her shift. I don't like this. And then they would find her sitting in the catacombs on the stairs by herself. I don't appreciate this one bit. What are you looking at? <laughs> your brother. God, don't look over your shoulder while you're telling me about Agnes. Hi, Alexander. In the catacombs. I don't like it. He's waving. So happy. Get out of here. Um, God, that scared the sh- You, like, do this thing where you're, like, talking about Agnes and the catacombs, and then your gaze, like, shifts over my shoulder, and you just stare blankly. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm about to get murdered. Okay. Um, okay, so, <clears throat> she just hangs out in the catacombs, just sitting by herself. Sure, sure. It got to be so regular, apparently, that when she would disappear, instead of calling security to search for her, they would just send one of the nurses down to the catacombs <laughs> and tell her to come back upstairs. That's so sad. <laughs> so one night, Agnes, as she does, disappeared from the ward, and she was found just sitting there. And the nurse that pulled the short straw, apparently, went down to the catacombs to go find her, um, sitting on the stairs down, leading towards the tunnels. And out of curiosity, she asked Agnes why she actually goes down there um, by herself. And Agnes said, I go down there to talk with my friend. Oh, no, Agnes. She said, basically, I guess the nurse that found her was going to disregard whatever she said, was just trying to make small talk. But then she said um, her friend, 
which is creepy. And she was like, okay, You're what's like, your what do you friend's mean? name? You're always here alone, right? And she was like, oh, his name is Alvin. No, thank you. And he lives in the tunnels. Jesus. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Agnes, get it together. So basically Alvin goes missing. Nobody gives a shit. And then Agnes starts regularly going down into tunnels by herself Agnes. on her shift. To hang out with, apparently, a guy named Alvin who's living in the tunnels. Don't make friends with someone who lives in the tunnels named Alvin. So, this nurse is very freaked out. And so she calls security. And she asks if the missing patient, Alvin, was ever found. And they said no. And she said, well, have you checked the tunnels? And so, uh, (laughs) I have a hunch. And so, uh, security went down there to look for him. And they found a grate leading to a small crawl space. (gasps) What? And they found Alvin living in the tunnels. But by living, I mean he was living there. And according to the remains of his dead body, he had passed several months ago. He apparently got lost in the tunnels and (gasps) couldn't find his way out and was living in the tunnels until he died. Wait, so Agnes was hanging out with her friend or like he was so a ghost Agnes now? was hanging out with someone named Alvin who was living in the tunnels who died several months ago. Oh, so he was already dead when she was. So going she was down hanging there. out with. His, she was compelled to keep going down to the tunnels and talk to this person who's not alive. That's really fucked up, dude. And so another nurse in this conversation, like, because this nurse went upstairs and was like, "Bitch, do you know what I just fucking experienced?" So she's uh, oh my god. So she was talking about Agnes with the rest of her nurses. Can you imagine that break room conversation? Can you imagine no one believing you? That would suck. I don't know. I feel like um do we know her name, this nurse? No. I feel like she was probably just like listen up and everyone was like we need to know what you know. <laughs> um so another nurse during this conversation claimed that while looking through the tunnels on her own many years before, she found an adjacent room with a dirt floor. And chains attached to the walls. So this was the beginning of people discovering the... She did just, like, casually stumble upon the shit. She was like, oh, there it is. And when she walked past that particular room, she said she felt, like, total dread and a gut feeling to just leave as soon as she could. Um, She could hear the sounds of moaning coming from in there. And when she finally talked about it with her supervisor, the supervisor said, oh, never mind that. We all know about (laughs) that room and we all stay away from it. A lot of us have heard those things. Never mind that. Never mind that. Pay no mind. Uh-huh. Um, the nurse also said, I was working the late shift and I spent most of my time trying to get the patients to calm down and go to sleep. And finally, about 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. on the week where we were transferring patients to another hospital, mm-hmm. I f- finally got things quiet and sat down for a minute to catch my breath. That's when I heard a woman sob and uh, the sob started floating towards my ear from the direction of a dark hallway. I quickly realized that they were coming from a patient's room that was supposed to be empty. At the door, I paused for a moment after finally finding where the sobs were coming from, and I listened to the sobbing coming from inside. There was something about it that made all the hair on my arms stand up. It was a heartbreaking cry, like someone inside was in incredible pain or distress. When I opened the door, the crying suddenly stopped, and no one was in there. The room was empty, even the beds were gone. I went back to my desk, and while I was thinking about it all, I subconsciously looked down to the end of the hall where the room was, and I saw this hazy shadow floating in front of the room. I turned my head and stared in that direction, and at that moment, it zipped down the hall and disappeared into the wall at the end of the hallway. Uh, it took a moment for it to go entirely be gone, but I know I saw something. Oh, what the fuck? 
the last thing I will say is that in 1997, there were also several uh, dispatches from uh, to the police from this hospital after it had been closed for several years. In what what decade? Um, the 90s. So oh. this is, in 1997. Um, the police were called at one time because a workman was seen moving in an upstairs window, um, even though there should be no workman because it's abandoned. A workman? Like a construction person? Like it looked like someone was wandering around trying to fix things in oh, the house. Oh, jeez. Okay. So the cops went into the building. His flashlight was the only thing on because there's no electricity in this building anymore. He started searching rooms and he says, I was almost to the end of the hallway when exiting a room, and I suddenly was startled by a, by the sound of a woman's high-pitched scream. <gasps> I spun around and saw a woman in a robe run past me down the hallway. Oh my god, how terrifying. She was kind of hazy, but I could see her in the flashlight beam. Because I couldn't... Before I could draw my gun or even call for her to stop, she ran right into a wall mm-hmm. at the end of the hallway and disappeared through it. This is a police officer talking. This is a police officer. Oh, fuck, dude. Another time that the police were dispatched to the same hospital was on another late night call because there was movement seen in one of the buildings. They walked through the hallways with their flashlights in hand. Suddenly, both the lights extinguished themselves simultaneously. The cop was reported later saying, those flashlights are over $100 <gasps> cop flashlights for each of us. And they are built so that you can immerse them in water, run them over with a truck, and drop them over a cliff, and they'll still work. Those things are no joke. Yeah. And he said... The fact that one would go out is strange, but when both go out the exact that's, same time with so brand new batteries. And it's not like they're uh, yeah. like digital, like they're just battery, like yeah. they're just battery operated. So, um, holy shit. In 2006, there was a woman named Maggie who founded a group called the Indiana Paranormal Investigator, uh, Investigators, who founded a group called Indiana Paranormal Investigations. Um, so her and her husband were on a tour and not in a, on a tour. They're like on their own investigation in this hospital. And she said, we began our investigation in the administration building and we set up a base camp there in one of the rooms on the second floor. It was hot. It was the summertime and we were trying to figure out how to open up the window. Um, one of our first experiences there was trying to get these windows to open. And all of a sudden, all three of us in the room heard a voice say, pull down from the top. What? It what came the, from, wait, they all heard that. That's so fucking creepy. It came from none of us, and nobody knew how to work this window, so how would we have been able to right. know? Right, it's not like... Oh God. I asked everyone in the room who knew how to get the windows open. Everyone said they didn't know how to open the window, and they hadn't said anything, but they had all heard it. <laughs> Shit. Maggie also asked the spirits to say hi to someone in the room. Great. Um, using... Uh, they were, like, trying to find EVPs. They just wanted to hear some voice on a recording. Right. So, like, can you say hi to someone in the room? And they got an EVP of both a child and an older man saying, hi, Adam. But nobody named Adam was in the room. The next week, Maggie found out that she was pregnant and they named their son Adam. No. So they were already saying hi to someone (gasps) that didn't exist yet. That just gave me. (sighs) So they were like, who's Adam? And then she found out she was pregnant and then later on named her son adam and then remembered that so it occurred to her after it's not yeah. like oh that ghost told me my son's name it was yeah. like fuck dude can you imagine that moment when she realizes wait a second like oh yeah i was i pregnant. would feel like they were attached to me for the rest of my life if they were already like knowing shit womb? about me that i right. didn't know right okay so there's that doubt <laughs> that's that on that that's that jesus Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. 
Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The ones with the hit, the ones with like the really intense histories get to me, like, well, I try. I try my best, but it's hard to find buildings that have fifty percent great history and fifty percent great right. no, current no. stories. I mean, it makes sense. They're tough to come by. But I mean, even just hearing the history of some of these places, I think, is so interesting. Even if it's it's a wild ride, it's like interesting on its own, even without the ghost stuff. But then that makes it way better. Uh, well, that's why we're here. Obviously, did you come with a story? Oh, no. Was I supposed to? No. I just wanted to hear you kind of just slur things after I'm, drinking a lot of wine. I think I might ad-lib one, though. Could you? Sure. Here we go. Oh, no. Not now. Like, later. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not ready for that mentally. Uh, we need to hold off. I need to take a break before that happens. What if we start an ATWWD improv troupe? I would shit myself. Em's about to fucking... There's nothing I hate more than improv. Em's about to take this jagged glass... <laughs> from this candle and just stab me in the heart wouldn't it be funny if we just got on a stage and didn't have anything prepared i mean what do you think i have anxiety about every day of my life why do i do this to myself okay let's change the subject oh my god i can't breathe so okay breathe okay this topic interestingly enough was suggested to me by my co-worker claire hi claire Slash my coworkers always make fun of me when I call them coworkers because there's just four of us in this program. So they're really just like my good friends. Your buddy. But I like to be like my coworker. Where's Claire from? Uh, she's from Ireland. There it is. But That's she lives in London. Ooh. I know. It's fine. I have some fancy friends. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, she's probably going to fucking 
kill me. She's going to come over here and take a piece of this glass and also stab me. Oh. Um, okay. So my friend Claire, who is from Ireland and lives in London, she's in the Nickelodeon program with me, but she's a crime novelist. Okay. Well, that's valid and legitimate. Hello. She's published nine novels. Fresh. Perfect. So this is Claire, who you're, talk- who you're talking Claire, about that's yes. done this. Okay. She, well, Claire's better than both of us, isn't she? She suggests... I mean... Not that I ever had a question, but yes. <laughs> uh, she has, like, every time we do our intros for people, when we, like, do meet and greets, quote unquote, uh, she's always like, yes, uh, I've published nine novels. And the person's always like, I'm sorry, what? Can you repeat that? And one time, she, <laughs> I'm such an ass. One time she said, like, yeah, I've published some novels. And then I was like, Claire's actually published nine novels. And she didn't say the number, <laughs> but I need you to know. And they were like, Okay. <laughs> Anyway, point being, she's a fiction, she's a novelist, and she's written nine, she's published nine novels. Some of them were auctioned by the BBC. Oh, so real oh, she's novels. She's legit. And her, her author name is Ava Woods, EVA, Ava Woods. So if anyone wants to go check out her books, I uh, am about to download some on my Kindle, so I'm really excited. Quick update, guys. I wanted to add that Claire's crime novels can actually be found under her name, Claire McGowan, M-C-G-O-W-A-N. And her other novels can be found under the name Ava Woods, E-V-A. Oh, and sorry, guys. I meant to say optioned by the BBC, not auctioned. Whoops. And she listens. I waited because I was like, I don't want to be that huge creep who just, like, starts reading her stuff. But she was listening to the podcast recently, and I was like, oh, okay. So I'm going to... So if you listen to my tiny little podcast, I can go read all nine of your novels and feel even. Your BBC auction novel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Option novels. So... I'm sorry to tell you this, but I wrote my nose today. Um, you broke your nose today? No. <laughs> what? I wrote my notes. Oh, okay. The that... rain in Spain. <laughs> the the main. Yep. Whatever. The main. Oh, just the main. Just the main. I really thought for a second you said you broke your nose, and I was like, and that's not why you fucking drink. You almost flipped the table. You got really alert for a second. I got my eyes dilated. No, uh, I wrote my notes okay. today um, and I was like, I don't, I was doing a story and I was like, yeah, I think I'm working on this story. And Claire was like, oh, have you heard of the Yorkshire Ripper? Uh-huh. And I was like, no. And then of course my friend Joanna, who's also from London, because the Brits are apparently taking over. Oh, and they all know each other too. And they just are all there all right. the time. Uh, and she comes out and she's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, the Yorkshire Ripper. And I was like, tell me everything. And this is where this begins. And is this one of the nine BBC optioned true crime novels <laughs> that your friend knows? No, because she's a fiction writer, so she writes like crime novels that aren't that don't true even crime. exist yet, right? Like she creates. So she's kind of crazy because like she has to think like a killer that doesn't even exist. I mean, yeah, I'm into it. It's great. I mean, she's probably crazy, but I'm. I mean, we're clearly crazy. Yeah, it's not a question. I mean, we happily talk about this every week nonstop we don't even make up our own stories we just take everybody else's and we're like whoa yeah yeah yes but she's creative enough to come up with her own good for her okay okay yorkshire Ripper. let's get on with it the yorkshire ripper aka peter sutcliffe aka peter coonan peter peter pan pan <laughs> peter frying pan okay <laughs> i'm sorry uh so peter sutcliffe was born to a catholic working class family thanks priest Thanks, hashtag thanks priests, in Yorkshire on June 2nd, 1946. Oh, close. He is... A Gemini. 234. That's our birthdays. 
or triplets with him. Oh, shit. Sorry. But he was born in 46, so he's old. <laughs> okay. Uh, blah, 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 blah. He was a... So Peter Sutcliffe, he was a loner growing up, and um, he left school at the age of 15, taking on a series of menial jobs. He didn't show much promise in any of them until he finally found his passion in the career of grave digging. <sighs> you know, that career. You know, I did always want to be a grave digger. <laughs> I always thought it would be kind of fun because, I mean, it's not like you're touching dead bodies. You're just digging the thing that the body will be in. Yeah, like, but, you don't have to really be near them. But you're always in a cemetery of dead bodies. You know what the why they call it the graveyard shift? Because it's at night. I don't know why. <laughs> no, people dig graves in the day, too. It was a gra- There was a graveyard shift originally. Like, it was called, like, the graveyard shift because um, I forget the disease... I'm not going to just pick one because that's the plague. What do we I wanted, like? I wanted to say the plague, but I don't think we that's like right. consumption because you oh. thought it meant eating a lot of cake. Yeah. Cause I was like, that's how I'll die. Diphtheria. Um, I don't remember what it was, but there was a time where a lot of people were going through this disease where it looked like you died, but you oh. didn't actually die. Oh yeah. And then they would ring the bell and yeah. And to so wait they would, the grave diggers were burying people with so a string fucked up. and the string was attached to a bell above ground and so in case they woke up, they could pull on the string and people above brown, above ground would hear the bell. So the so whole point of to, graveyard shift was to stay at night and listen for a bell like in case. supervise the grave. How to like dig them out of the ground. up is that? I would be really stressed if I heard the bell and I'd be like, oh, fuck. Like I have about a, an hour to get this guy out of the ground. Seriously. Also imagine while you're digging to get him out, like you can't actually hear someone up there right away. Like you are freaking out that maybe no one can hear you. You don't know that they're trying to take you out. Oh my God, stop. This is, I've been taking these antibiotics. I was going to say this is why I drink until like my iPhone was fucking stolen, but I have been taking these antibiotics for five days. And when I started them, Blaze, because I have this weird thing on my ear and Blaze was like, these are the ones that they gave you at the hospital that give you weird dreams. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I don't remember this. And my friend Renee was like, oh fuck. I remember those texts. And I was like, you guys are nuts. Like, I don't remember this at all. I have been having the most fucking gory, violent, vicious dreams. Like, I had a dream where Blaze kept stabbing me in the throat and my organs were coming out of my neck. Like, what the, the fuck? Just, like, so messed you up. You should tell it to your true crime buddy. Maybe you can get an option BBC book out of it. <laughs> yeah, so then my fiancé stabbed me in the throat with a broken and bottle. And my organs actually just all piled right out. It's crazy. My liver was suddenly in my my throat. No, and then I had a dream last night that I... Not only was I pregnant, my friend was like, oh, that's normal people. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It wasn't that I was pregnant. It was that I was giving birth on the floor, like, to an actual baby. Like, it was just, like, the most Yuck. horrific nightmare. Anyway, I don't know why I'm announcing this on the podcast. The point is, what what is the point? I don't remember what we were talking about. I like grave digging. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Em likes to dig graves. Okay. That being said, I'm trying to think of a good transition. Uh, okay, so he like did all these menial jobs as a teenager, and then grave digging was the only one where he was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm into this." Same. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, he would volunteer for extra time at the mortuary, so like he was working with dead bodies. It wasn't like he was oh, okay. I just see. digging graves. Like he was 
burying the dead bodies. I understand. Yes. That part I don't like. Oh, okay. Yes. I think that's part of the, part of the, the interest for him. Yes. Uh, he also would work for extra. Okay. Yeah. You're definitely not going to agree with this either. He would work for extra money to wash down the bodies. Um, he would even sometimes jump into a grave I don't know with why. With the body? Yeah, with the body. Like, Can you imagine being dead and that's what fucking... Like, imagine being a ghost and you're looking down on your body and that's the shit you see. You're like, I want my wife to come and give me flowers, but then this fucking weirdo jumps in your grave. Yeah, no. Gross. Gross. So, unlike many other murderers, uh, Sutcliffe did not show too many abnormalities during his childhood years. Um, aside from being bullied for being too skinny... <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. What a tough life. Oh, my. And uh, he worshipped his mother to the point that he thought she was basically infallible. Like, she was his idol, essentially. Okay. Like, like she was... Um, he, like, put like her on... Untouchable. A, yeah, like, he, like, put her on a pedestal and was like, she's... Like, immortal. Exactly. Got it. Um, and his dad was pretty... Like, his dad was an alcoholic and, like, hit the kids sometimes and, you know, of course, it was an abusive – his dad was abusive and it was an unhealthy childhood, but it wasn't anything, like, so extreme that you hear from some serial killers. You know, like, he just – things just went the wrong way for him, but it didn't start off that extreme. Mm -hmm. But then in 1970, um, his father really fucked him up. Uh, he – his father knew his wife was cheating on him. Uh oh. So he posed as his wife's lover, lured her to a hotel, then took his son, Peter, uh, and two of his other siblings with him to the hotel where he had lured his wife <sighs> so that they could witness her downfall. Okay. So Peter watched as his dad caught his mom and then pulled a negligee from her bag and exposed her as a cheater. <gasps> And basically shattered this, like, infallible image that he had of his mother. So he, you know, it just, like, completely fucked with his head. Got it. Of Because she, like, treated him like an angel. Like, he was just... Well, and she was actually cheating? or Yeah, the... she was. Okay. She was with another man, and the husband, like, conned her into revealing it, basically. Got it. But then took three of his kids with him. Got it, got it, got it. Um. So... By most accounts, um, Peter Sutcliffe started hiring sex workers at a young age in his teenage years. Um, he developed this habit slash obsession with voyeurism, and he'd spent a lot of time spying on sex workers and the men who elicited their services. So he would just watch them and follow them around for fun. Mm. Um, on February 14th of 1967, he met a woman named Sonia Surma, and uh, they got married seven years later, but they were dating throughout that time period. Um, and after several miscarriages, Sonia was informed that she would not be able to have children. So she began taking courses to become a teacher because she wanted to like restart her career. And during her courses, uh, <laughs> she had an affair with an ice cream truck driver that's exactly what i plan on <laughs> fucking doing to allison oh my gosh she knows she knows to watch out she doesn't let me near ice cream trucks <laughs> it's like a it's like a fucking thriller like an affair with the ice cream truck driver okay but i'm telling you in all honesty like gospel truth here 
my mother's dream as a child was to marry an ice cream man. <laughs> and if she could right now, she still would. And her and I have actually had very serious business talks about opening a diner together. I mean, we've actually like walked into diners and like looked at them and been like, but I would put this here and I like this here. And it'd be like an old fashioned ice cream parlor, like not even really a diner, just like old school ice cream parlor. Like, I will go fund me the shit out of that. Like the like the shiny red diner booth M, seats and all that. Fucking do it. We're not kidding. Like like the like a ice cream, like a bar with like the swivel seats and. M. I'm not. We've. It's. I know you're not. That's why I want to support this team milkshake. This didn't just come out of nowhere. My, my mother's been encouraging this <laughs> since she was a child. To, my mom. One of her high school jobs was to work at an ice cream store, mm. and then she gained like 11 pounds in like two weeks. And my grandpa was like, "You have to quit here." <laughs> oh, nice. This like wasn't my choice. My mother has been making this happen since before my own birth. Like when it's she in your genes. When she was pregnant with me. She fed me in the womb Haagen-Dazs every day for nine months. So, like, what did you think was going to happen? No. Well, I mean, this makes sense because my mom told me she didn't know she was pregnant until she was five months pregnant with me. And she drank a lot. A <laughs> lot of wine went through that fucking, uh, that, that cord. Umbilical the cord. Ugh. She's going to kill me for saying that. You just absorbed she a lot of wine in utero. And I thought it was hilarious. And I'm like... Oh, I think it's just... My mom gave me um, filet mignon and chocolate Haagen-Dazs every day for nine months and they're still my two favorite foods well my mother likes to say oh i didn't drink when i was pregnant with you and i was like one time you got drunk and admitted to me that five months into your pregnancy you were like why am why is my size negative 10 belt not fit anymore and why do i keep throwing up i guess i should keep drinking wine and then like <laughs> okay but that's also a thought you have I to know. death <laughs> i know and so i was like renata you told me this and she's like i would never i had no idea and i'm like yeah you were like 26 or 27 you didn't fucking know but so i'm like i mean i'm i'm like fine i have a fucking graduate degree i'm not you know impaired for life but she's really fucking horrified when i tell that story but i'm like you told me anyway i mean if if ice cream had alcohol in it my mom probably would have not stopped eating it I think there's a problem in my family. I was always raised that like a like a pint, like an ice cream pint or a yeah. hot pint is a serving size. But I mean, that's not that abnormal, is it? N well, it is when I'm a child and eat fair, one like it's fair. not even an issue. And then fair. I go to someone else's house for a sleepover and they're like, why are we're supposed to share this? We bought one so we could share it tonight. And I was like, I'm never fucking sleeping here again. <laughs> fuck you i was like and then they blamed it on me being an only child and not knowing how to share and i was like no i was just raised that this is a fucking serving i'm not gonna share a serving with you that's so interesting because I, I was raised to have very a very bad diet <laughs> it was uh, it's so funny because like i was raised to have like a very strict clean healthy diet like just all n normal foods and then just like so much booze like it's just like <laughs> All veggies, all organic, fresh meats and vegetables, like no junk, no processed food. And then it's like, but lots of wine. It's a very European thing. I when think. I worked in the graphics department at the job I'm still at, right. one of the big things was we had to make fake ice cream labels for TV shows. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. so they would, people would actually bring real ice cream. Your Snapchats about this would kill me. 
this was back when I was like actively Snapchatting about ice cream a lot. And we weren't friends yet. So I was like, I want to kill myself. One of my job, literally, I got paid to eat ice cream as much of it as I fucking could. Was like, as fast as I could. Four gallons of ice cream. Get, better get started. Because like, we had to, they, I'm only explaining because I know we're going to get a lot of like, um, we just skimmed right past this and didn't explain it. So I'm just explaining it real quick. Just go, go, go. But uh, for shows where they have to eat ice cream and if you look and like if they don't have like a deal with like Briars or haagen or something, they they need a, a fake label because they don't legally have that brand cleared. So they have to get a fake label so sure. they don't get in trouble. Um, But so we're the people that make a fake label for ice cream, but we need to size the design right. Like we need to print it out, make sure it's going to fit. So they bring actual ice cream to like work gallons of ice cream right? for us to put the label on. So that way, when they come to pick it up at the end of the day, there is a perfectly accurate ice cream carton with a fake label on it but in that entire time the ice cream would melt by the time they picked it up brought it to set waited for that scene to shoot and then someone ate it and now it's just like liquid ice cream so we literally had to eat the product <laughs> so that way we could label a fake carton so they could go out and buy more ice so cream zoe de chanel could pretend to eat ice cream on no set. zoe would never eat i know that's why i said pretend. i had to carve carrots and make them carrot look like cheetos cheetos for her carrot cheetos if you ever see zoe de chanel eating a cheeto it's a carrot. it's a fucking carrot that i hand carved em taught me that and i tell people constantly i don't know <laughs> if i'm allowed but i do it anyway it's do you know how long it takes to carve a fucking carrot into a cheeto um, and then do enough please of them because i think it's fucking amazing <laughs> and then do enough of them so that they can do multiple takes of her eating them by the handful it takes a lot of fucking time em used to hand i mean i know we just said this four times but em used to hand <laughs> carve baby carrots to look like cheetos like what the actual because everyone on that set is fuck. like super health conscious so I, like one person's dairy per, like dairy free one's soy free one's vegan one's so we just had to have uh, like a just it, you it gotta have carrot cheetos it's and i had to eat all the ice cream in the world so that they could put a different product in there in case the person didn't actually eat ice cream but they needed to like the character eats real ice cream but they actually are like vegan in real life so you have to put vegan ice cream in a real ice cream that's so fucking it's annoying. just golden to like picture envision you eating ice cream by the gallon just like gallons of ice they cream. would literally give me a ladle at but work like, and say finish this by the end of the day you're ladling ice cream but then on the side you take a giant ladle bite and then you're carving a carrot into it <laughs> into a precise i'm so health conscious cheeto. and crafty while also making the worst dietary decisions just such a yin, yin and yang like balance if if zoe de chanel knew that she was eating car carrots that i carved if she knew i was she knows if who listen, does she think what did she think if, it was just like a zoe if zoe on new girl was eating carrots if she knew that the carrots she was eating were ones that i hand carved while eating a gallon of ice cream <laughs> she, she would wouldn't eat them she she'd be like that's foul she wouldn't yeah she would find that foul we I'm should sure. move on people are probably sick of me talking about my work i mean let's talk more about ice cream where did we end off by the way hell if i know what are we even talking <laughs> this about this tangent is an unbelievable trip i don't know what story i was telling oh right grave digging <laughs> How does this keep happening? <laughs> what the fuck happened? Oh, uh, wow. Okay. He jumped into a grave. I think that's where we... I don't know. Okay. That's literally the last note I said. So I don't know where... <laughs> I don't know how... <laughs> you'll you'll figure it out when you're editing this it's for sort four of like, hours. It's and... like one of those Cosmopolitan magazine quizzes where like you're like, you, I love to 
text in emojis and then you hit like yes sometimes and whatever you fall like a giant ass like a maze. tree yeah 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 i feel like that's what's happening and we just went like fucking way <laughs> off base okay. future you is throwing your head into a wall right now future me is at a three-day seminar that's 12 <laughs> hours a day and is probably like crying in her fucking seat at lax marriott okay here we go <laughs> i have to get up at like 6 30 i want to die okay so he worked as a graveyard person and he loved to just get paid extra he would like take extra shifts to like clean the dead bodies yes. and would like climb into the grave sometimes and shit like that um oh no there is something else that i said okay so he would t talk obsessively to his friends about bodies in pubs so uh -huh. he would like get super like to a point where his friends were like i don't feel comfortable with this like he just goes on and on about how uh great it is to work with dead bodies I feel like if that were your job, though, I'd be like, tell me everything you possibly yes, can. this is fair. But I feel like if it's a person who's being really creepy about it and, like, so. loves to touch dead bodies, it's, like, different. If you told me you jumped into a grave with one, I'd be like, okay, Christine, that's a little, that's a little extra. Like, don't beg to clean the dead body. Like, that's just a little much. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Um... So he had an obsession with voyeurism. He married Sonia. Oh, right. The ice cream van driver. Of course. How could I forget? So there we are. There we are. I Crack missed, the code. Crack the secret code of this episode. Um, so anyway, so she had an affair with this ice cream tr truck driver. And then in his like twisted mind, this just added to his distorted view of women. So he already had this like fucked up thing where he and ice cream distorted view of ice cream there's no such thing as a distorted i mean there is if you don't really eat it but otherwise <laughs> we support all views on ice cream um no, we don't what i'm just kidding no i'm saying unless you don't eat ice oh, cream right right then we don't just support you i'm gonna stop talking okay uh so he had this distorted view of women because his dad like fucking brought him to the pulled out her negligee like just whatever fucked up it's also so intimate to like see your mom's negligee oh totally like it's not like just breaking a spell of like it's not like breaking an image it's like doing something really incredibly private and personal that you shouldn't oh, have yeah. seen anyway it's like dragging you into something between your parents that's so personal and like sexual like it's just yeah. so inappropriate yes yeah so he already had this fucked up view on women then his wife cheated on him with an ice cream truck driver which like who wouldn't what are you gonna do you can't win that argument right you're not gonna beat that guy <laughs> couldn't if you should. or gal i mean you know if you're sleeping with him you get free ice cream i mean that's they got those snoopy pops you can't win <laughs> forgot about those you can't win <laughs> the uh, the power puff girl popsicles with the gumball eyes those were good there's they had spongebob ones for a while they had teenage mutant ninja turtle ones too the, those were good those were actually good they yeah. got me going like the teenage mutant ninja turtles Hashtag Nickelodeon. Okay. I wish they saw those at work. Anyway. Uh, wah, bah, 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 bah. So. She, they stayed together. She completed her courses and became a teacher. And then the two of them used her salary to buy a house in uh, Heaton, Bradford. Sure. Um, and they moved there on September 26th of 1977. So they lived there for a long time. Um, in 1969, so this is, we're jumping back to, so that's kind of like their timeline. Um, so they bought this house in 77, 
And from then on, they were, uh, and they had met in 1967. So this has been 10 years that they were together. In 1969, so two years after they started dating, but they weren't married yet, um, Peter Sutcliffe was tricked out of money by a sex worker that he had hired. Uh, so he was still going strong with like hiring sex workers. Um, he got out of his, so this is what happened. He got out of his friend's minivan when he saw her, the woman who had taken his, uh, by the way, it was, um, five pounds of ice cream <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm just in another place <laughs> no friend five pounds of pounds of, of of currency oh see why would i think why would you expect me to think that way i don't know because what I, is five pounds equal that's probably like uh like eight bucks eight okay. or nine bucks depending on the okay. exchange rate sure when i went to england like many years ago it was pretty much double so like you just had to double the price of everything gotcha to get dollars and it everything was so fucking expensive but i think now it's it's better but anyway okay so she had basically stolen like eight bucks from him so okay i don't know so what it was not a big fucking in deal. the 70s right like not a huge <clears throat> deal maybe i don't know today might maybe it was like 50 bucks 30 bucks i don't know not don't know. not a huge amount right so like not not something to kill over precisely precisely that so he was pissed and he had his friend drive around in his minivan until he spotted her then he jumped out of the van followed her into a garage where he hit her in the head with a stone in a sock oh that'll hurt came up behind her and beat her in the head with a rock that was in a sock um and although she was badly injured she managed to catch his license plate number the the car okay. that they had driven in. So she was quick on her feet. The police went to his house and told him he was very lucky because the woman didn't want to press charges. Uh, so he got off scot-free for that. And then a year into his marriage with Sonia in 1975, he committed his second assault. He attacked a woman named Anna Rogolsky, who just happened to be walking down the street alone, minding her own goddamn business he came up behind her, knocked her unconscious with a ball-peen hammer, <gasps> and then slashed her in the stomach with a knife. <gasps> a neighbor heard the commotion and came outside, so he fled. And she survived, but required extensive medical treatment and was obviously, like, scarred for the rest of her life. Right. Um, the next month, Sutcliffe attacked a woman named Olive Smelt by, again, hitting her from behind with a hammer and using a knife to slash her, this oh. time above her buttocks. And then he was interrupted during the attack and fled, but left her badly injured. Then next, pretty soon after that, he attacked a 14-year-old girl named Tracy Brown by coming up to her from behind, hitting her head five times <gasps> as she walked. Oh! So, like, before she even went down, he managed to hit her five times with a hammer. Um, and she was just walking down a country road. Like, he just came up behind her on a country road. But he saw the lights of a passing car and fled, leaving her there with severe injuries. And she actually required brain surgery. It was that bad of an injury. Oh, my God. So everyone so far to this point has survived. But in October of 1975, he committed his first murder. Uh, Wilma McCann, a mother of four, was struck twice with a hammer and then stabbed 15 times in the neck, chest, and abdomen. Oh, shit. 
Yeah. And so police got like super involved. Uh, there was 150 police officers and 11,000 interviews were conducted, but they failed to find the perpetrator. Um, and one of her, one of McCann's daughters actually died by suicide in December of 2007 after years of depression following her mother's murder because they were just never able, they like, not never able, but like at the time they just weren't able to like pin down right who had who had done it done it um so obviously this hammer to the back of the head and then the which just like fucking awful and then the knife slashing became uh his mo his mo exactly uh he would also always leave the bottom half of his victims exposed as a final insult to women so (sighs) he would like attack them and then just like pull down their clothes and pull their shirts up and their bras up over their breasts um especially sex workers this was like a habit of his so three months after his murder of mccann which was his first murder uh that's known at least um he murdered 42 year old sex worker emily jackson who had actually been in dire financial straits and was using the family van to exchange sexual favors for money to try to keep her family afloat um Sutcliffe hit her on the head with a hammer and then stabbed her 51 times. Holy fuck. With a sharpened screwdriver. (gasps) I know. I know. Oh, no. In the neck, chest, and abdomen. Oh, no. He stomped on her thigh so hard it left a deep imprint of his boot. And she was killed. Um, On May 9th, so a few months later, 20-year-old Marcella Claxton was walking home from a party when she accepted a ride from Sutcliffe. She got out of the car to go pee, and Sutcliffe followed her out of the car and hit her from behind with a hammer. She survived and actually ended up testifying against him at his trial. And although she survived, she had actually been four months pregnant at the <gasps> time of the oh, attack. Don't say it. I know. And suffered a don't miscarriage because of it. So she was obviously mm-hmm. traumatically affected as well. Only 20 years old. Um, on February 5th, Sutcliffe attacked another sex worker named Irene Richardson by bludgeoning her to death with a hammer. And then after she had died, he mutilated her body with a knife. So he was just going like... He just had no... Bash it. Wow. Just like taking things just out of control. Um, And then two months later, he killed a sex worker named... I mean, this is literally like a month after month. He's just fucking following random... And it's not even all sex workers. Like some of them are teenagers. Why are are girls still walking around late at night then? Was there like... Because we're in the city. Like you can't... You know, I mean, people have to go to work. People have to go to school. He went to college campuses. Like... Yeah. And that was another big thing is, like, women started a movement later that was, like, women shouldn't have to, like, not walk on the street because a guy is, you know, it's it's just awful. But what are you going to do if, like, your livelihood depends on getting to your job or whatever, you know? I know. It's awful. It's awful. It really does. Um, So two months later, he killed a sex worker named Tina Atkinson. And a lot of these were sex workers, so he would hire them only to kill them on the job. Um, Not all of them, which was an interesting MO. Like, he didn't just kill sex workers. Sometimes he would just randomly pick a girl girl or a woman, right, like off the street. 
I bet he thought something along the lines of like, I mean, even if they like, if there was just like an innocent random person, he would probably felt like I, my mom, I thought she was innocent. Like maybe yeah, they have totally. some he must dark have, story that I think you're right. Like, I don't have to know what happened. I know they're probably got a, a dark past. Yeah. He clearly had like a very twisted view on women. Yeah. Whether it was a sex worker or a 16 year old girl. Yeah. So who knows? Um, so Tina was killed in her apartment. And then two months later, he murdered a 16 year old girl named Jane McDonald. Um, and she had not been a sex worker. So now the entire female population in the area was like in full on panic mode. And women were like not leaving the house, not going to work, not going to school, just in total disarray over it. Um, because clearly it wasn't just sex workers. Like it was seemed to be just random. Mm -hmm. Um, so that July, so people were freaking out, but like, you know, you can't stop everyone from leaving their house. So that July, um, Sutcliffe assaulted another woman named Maureen Long and he was interrupted by a witness and fled, leaving her for dead. And the witness misidentified the make of the car. So after 11,500 interviews and thousands of cars that had been checked, they were not able to pinpoint the perpetrator because someone had Gone. misidentified the car. <clears throat> Have you ever watched that show? Um, brain? No, it's not Brain Games. What's that show? Yeah, I know you're talking about. Is it Brain Games? Yeah. My dad likes that show a lot. Is it the one where... Well, there was... A, maybe it is that one. But it's the show where they kind of talk about, like, human patterns, like, behavioral patterns yeah. and psychological patterns. And they did one about, like, witnesses to accidents and how, like, fucking wrong people are. Yeah. Like, how they just don't remember colors or speeds or... And then they, they're so confident in it. So they think it's... It, because your brain, like, literally creates a story, whether you... Yeah, because you want an answer. Yeah. And you recreate a story in your head and they would... It depends on how you ask the question. So if you say, like, how fast was the car, like, careening toward the other car? You're more likely to say 60 miles per hour than if you were to say, how fast was the car driving, driving toward the car? It's just fascinating. Anyway, so the witness was, like, totally wrong with the type of car, and they just went completely off the path and weren't able to catch the perpetrator, unfortunately, because he was a lot about to do a lot more shit. Um, so over the course of the past few months so everything i just meant literally every single thing i just mentioned was in a nine-month period Jeez. um so he had murdered a total of five women um and that's in addition to all the like violent assaults right and he had gotten away with every single one um in october of 1977 21 year old gene jordan became his sixth victim Sutcliffe realized he had left behind okay so he murdered her then he realized he had left behind um f a five pound bill and was worried that it could be traced to him so after hosting a family party at his new home he returned to the location where he had dumped her body to try and find the bill but he could not find it anywhere so instead he mutilated her corpse and then moved it elsewhere and the following morning her body was discovered by a local dairy worker and when police came, they found the five-pound note hidden in a secret compartment of her purse. And after a lot of investigating local banks and transactions, they were able to track it back to Peter Sutcliffe. So they wow. they did find him, and they went to his house. But 
uh, the alibi he gave of his party was solid enough that they really had nothing on him. Um, so weeks they spent weeks on this and they were like so excited that they finally had a lead and it just did not pan out. So they were extremely frustrated uh, and were not able to keep him for anything. Uh, on December 14th of that year, Peter Sutcliffe attacked a sex worker from Leeds named Marilyn Moore, and she survived and was actually able to give police a description of the attacker, which was huge. And then in the next year, he killed three more people. Jesus Christ. It, he honestly is going bash it crazy. Like Fuck. he's killing and killing and killing and somehow not getting caught. Like Amazing. on flukes almost. In what year is this again? 69, 70? Uh, we're now in the 70s. Like, late 70s. Um, we're almost... Yeah, we're in the late 70s. Jesus. Um, his next victim was a woman named Yvonne Pearson, who was 21 years old. Uh, he repeatedly bludgeoned her in the head with a ball-peen hammer, then jumped on her chest before stuffing horse hair into her mouth what? from a discarded sofa uh, under which he hid her body near... Under which he hid her body after he had killed her. Um, and they didn't find her body for almost two months. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really fucked up. And then ten days after that, he killed... So, ten days after he killed Yvonne. Mm -hmm. So, like, still a month and a half before they even found her body. He killed um, an 18-year-old woman named Helen Ritka. She was a sex worker, and he struck her on the head five times as she exited his vehicle. Then he stripped most of her clothes from her body, although he kept her bra and her polo neck jumper above her breasts and left them there, like Jeez. exposing her. And then he repeatedly stabbed her in the chest and left her body between beneath some railway arches. Uh, and her body was found uh, three days later. And then on May 16th, he killed a woman named Vera Millward um, in a car park. And then after that, his mother, Kathleen, died. And he spent wow. a year not killing anyone. So there was like a break in his. So, you know, it's right. related. Yeah. So she died um, in that year. And during that period, he didn't attack at all. Uh, but then a year later, on April 4th, 1979... Sutcliffe killed a 19-year-old building society clerk named Josephine Whitaker, and she was walking home through a park, and he attacked her. It was just, that really upsets me. Um, and even though police did have forensic evidence to tie him to the murder. Don't tell me they didn't, they didn't bring him in. Well, here's what happened. So police efforts were diverted for several months because they received a taped message that report, purported to be from the murderer himself that was taunting the lead investigator, George Oldfield. Um, and it was a man's voice saying, I'm Jack. I see you're having no luck catching me. I have the greatest respect for you, George, but Lord, you're no nearer catching me now than four years ago when I started. So they took oh. this message and then went on this like spree of like finding the accent and like these linguists narrow down the part of the UK that this person would be from. Um, and then the daily mirror, uh, started receiving letters and the police started receiving letters and they were published. Uh, and 
basically like this totally derailed the investigation because it wasn't from the actual murderer. So it was like just like someone like a copycat or like someone pretending not or? even copycat, just someone fucking around with the police. Jesus Christ. Um, it which is just so sad. So the letters were signed Jack the Ripper and claimed responsibility for the murder of 26-year-old Joan Harrison, Joan Harrison. And at the time police didn't realize that that murder was not public knowledge, so they just assumed that this person was telling the truth uh when in fact this person was just taking all the details they knew and writing Jesus. like detailed letters to the police. Um, and actually, this hoax case was reopened in 2005. Oh, wow. And they used DNA to <gasps> figure out who had written it. Who was it? So they actually were able to take DNA from the envelopes and entered it into the national database. And on October 20th, 2005, a man named John Samuel Humble, an unemployed alcoholic and longtime resident of the Ford Estate in Sunderland, which was a few miles from Castletown, was charged with attempting to pervert the course of justice for sending the hoax letters and the tape. Can you imagine the day that DNA became like an official oh, thing cops could use? My God. Every person who Oh my God. Like committed a crime before and thought they got away with it was probably like, oh shit. Especially stupid shit like this where you were just like drunk out of your mind and you were like, this will be funny. Like it wasn't even like he was murdering. You just had anyone. to wake up the next day and pray that they didn't even care about your case. Right. And then like decades later, suddenly they're like, oh. Can you imagine like thinking you got away with doing something really stupid yep. when you were drunk? Yep. And then 35 years later. Especially when you were young and you were like, well, that was stupid. I've And now you on. look like it's one of those things where you think you're falling asleep and all of a sudden your brain brings back like a horrible memory but imagine that thing that you cringe at every night oh yeah by yourself is a thing that a cop calls you for 40 years later and is like by the way we're gonna arrest you now and we have your fingerprints yeah Ugh. so fucked up so they they arrested him it, what's the statute on that then so i don't know the statute i'm I mean, surprised this he was also, able to get arrested after it's also so the uk i don't know like if oh. they have different lost but um i mean it's only 25 years later it's not that long right but yeah so uh they found his dna and basically his dna had been taken in 2001 following a drunken disorderly charge so he was clearly still doing his thing (laughs) partying (laughs) he was partying hard you know as a imagine thinking like you're gonna get away with like oh shit i got a dui that sucks but then finding out <laughs> oh, that's no. what caused that's yeah. actually like not even my biggest problem anymore i mean he's clearly <laughs> having some struggles so his dna had been fall had been already taken so they were able to match it to him and on march 21st 2006 he was convicted and sentenced to eight years in prison so once again um the real killer is completely getting away with this right because this guy whether he was fucking around or not completely diverted the case and they were looking at and they've gotten a lot of criticism too for like focusing so heavily on that that they didn't look at other Mm -hmm. options and details um but yeah so Sutcliffe was just like on his merry way to kill more people um on September 1st uh Sutcliffe murdered 20 year old Barbara oh Barbara finally there she is found you found ya uh, he murdered 20-year-old Barbara Leach, who was a student at Bradford, Bradford University. Um, he dumped her under a pile of bricks close to her dorm. 
It's so sad. Um, and that was his 16th attack. Jesus Christ. Uh, th- she, again, was not a sex worker. She was a college, like just a college student. So this, again, like caused major panic um, among the locals. Uh, and there was like a big publicity campaign. And despite the, despite the false lead that um, what's-his-face humble john samuel humble had given the police uh sutcliffe was questioned by police as a sus as a possible suspect he was actually interviewed by police nine times throughout the investigation wow and was let go every single time jesus in april of 1980 sutcliffe was arrested for drunk driving it's all these drunk driving people that are getting Mm -hmm. getting in trouble maybe that's the lesson here guys i Guys, if you if you were to take anything away from all this, it's that I need to marry an ice cream man. <laughs> I don't know. <gasps> trying just trying to lighten the mood. The moral of the story. Okay, anyway. Is Snoopy ice cream. Mm. So while Sutcliffe was aw- awaiting trial for his drunk driving charge, he killed two more women. Jesus. While awaiting trial. He murdered 47-year-old Marguerite Walls and then 20-year-old Jacqueline Hill, another college student. Um, he also, during this time, attacked three other women who survived, but he still, like, gravely assaulted them. Jesus. On November 25th, um, one of Sutcliffe's associates named Trevor Birdsall reported him to the police as a suspect, but the information vanished into the paperwork and he it was never followed through like they didn't realize until later that he had been reported they just never followed through on it um so that just gives you an idea how many times people were like um maybe look at this guy (laughs) excuse Mm. me it might be a good idea but whatever on january 2nd 1981 uh sutcliffe was stopped by police with a 24 year old sex worker in his car oh Uh, my god her name was olivia ravers and when the constable constable were in the uk right 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 i was like what there is a constable here too by the way uh yes i should know that when the constable realized that uh sutcliffe had false plates license plates uh he arrested him and while he was getting arrested and being read his rights etc sutcliffe said he was quote bursting for a pee you know <laughs> all right yeah well yeah all of us are I mean, you get it. I, oh, I'm there. I'm there. We're all bursting for a pee. <laughs> uh, and asked if he could go behind that bush over there and go to the bathroom. So the police were like, okay. And let him go to the bathroom. And he then cooperated and they brought him into custody. They questioned him in... Weird. <laughs> that like... was not the turn I thought we were taking. They were just like, okay. Just wait. Okay. This is called. Wait, did the did the sex worker get away that time, Olivia? Away, like she survived. Uh, oh, is that what you're asking? Like the one that he was in the car with, that like the cops stopped him ahead of time. Yeah, they caught him with a sex worker. That was the right, crime. but this. But oh no! But the sex worker's okay. Like yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. Damaged. No, he wasn't okay. killing her. It was just like he he was just caught with a sex worker and they were like okay this is a routine i'm just asking if she got away before she's fine okay got it it was like a a routine like oh 
this is illegal. We're going to bring you in. I see. You know. So, so they took him in. They questioned him in relation to the Yorkshire Ripper case because he matched many of the physical characteristics of the suspected killer. Um, but unfortunately, they couldn't hold him on anything at all. They could not find a way to keep him. So they were getting increasingly frustrated until one of the officers had a brilliant plan. And this is... Uh, where my friend Claire was like telling me about the story and I was like, yes, I like this. This is what I, I want it. I want it. I want to do it. So uh, one of the officers had a brilliant idea. Uh, he went back to the spot where Sutcliffe had taken a leak and when he walked around to that bush, he found a knife, a hammer, and a rope <gasps> that Sutcliffe had tossed under the bush. Got it. When he went to go pee. I'm there. And... Uh, so I thought this was going in a place where like the cop took a cup and scooped up some of the I pee. I know I did too when she was telling me this. That's why I was like, "What's happening?" <laughs> but it's just like, "Oh shit!" Smart though, finally, so smart. All of a sudden, someone's finally listening. Exactly, someone was finally like, <clears throat> "Let's like rewind and think, what the fuck was this guy doing?" Yes. So they um, found all these weapons where he went to go piss, and they were like, "Okay, something's going on." Then they found a second knife in the toilet cistern, which is like the top where you right. like pull the lid off and yeah. all that good stuff. Uh, they found a knife that he had hidden in there when he was at the police station and they let him go to the bathroom, which I don't know if they thought he had like, like a Did year. he like forget he had an extra knife on him or something? He like had a... I don't know, right? He's like, like he shouldn't have tossed that with the rest of it. But he was like, whoops, I forgot about this guy. He's like, I'll put the rope here, but I'll t it's like a clue, a game of clue. Yeah. Like, the rope is in the thing and the knife is in the bush. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But they found it in the fucking toilet, which also, like, did they not search him? Or, like, when they brought him into the... What was going on in the police department? What's happening here? Also, like, he put it in the toilet. What's he going to do? Also, how often is he going to go piss in this... Yeah, he's clearly not custody. bursting for a pee after a drive to the department. Like, he literally just went to the bathroom. Okay, it's fine. I'm not a police officer, in case you didn't know that. I'm not an avid peer, so... You're not a what? An avid peer. What is oh, peer. Oh, I thought you meant peer like a like this, I'm not an. I'm not a Santa Monica peer, actually. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I mean, like, I maybe if I like desperately had to pee all the time, I would understand like his thought that he could get away with like, oh, if I really have to pee right now and then in ten more minutes. Well, earlier maybe he has a bladder condition. I don't well, know. I mean, that's what I was saying. But like earlier in the story, that woman went. I mean, she might have even been a girl. I don't know, but she was like really young, and she went out of the car to go pee. And I was like, why is she doing that? And then later we found out she was four months pregnant mm -hmm. and had a miscarriage right. and i'm like no wonder she fucking had to pee like she was Aww. pregnant she had to go pee and okay. she was walking on the road and so it's like this guy is fucking i have to pee every five minutes so <laughs> i'm can, four months pregnant i'm four months pregnant i have to hide all my knives in the toilet Jeez. okay what a fucker okay so they let him use the bathroom he hid a knife so Anyway, after this, they were obviously like, we need a search warrant. So they got a search warrant for his home. And that's when they brought his wife in for questioning. It's a bad time. Mm -hmm. um, and when they stripped him, finally, they strip searched him at the police station. They discovered he was also wearing, this is very strange, an inside out v-neck sweater 
where he had pulled the sleeves, like the arm sleeves of the sweater over his legs and then tucked the V-neck portion under his genitals. Mm-hmm. Under his pants. Okay. Like, maybe, like, was it cold? Was that like an no, imp- an impromptu it, leg warmer? It was like a very strange like pres- I presenting warm- himself. Like, oh, he like purposely put the V neck underneath his genitals to like I see to hoist them, hoist them up, and then um, the front of the elbows where his knees were, like he put them over mm-hmm. his legs, were padded so that when he leaned over the his victims or his corpse, like the corpses or the victims, he would have like cushion on his knees. So he put them on underneath his pants to give, like, extra cushion on his knees. It's really fucked up. See, originally that was not where I was going no, with that. Because, like, I've worn my sweatshirt as it's sweatpants like, oh, before. oh, long johns right now. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I have a sweatshirt next to me and I'm too lazy to get a blanket or sweatpants. So I'm just going to put them on my legs. Very different. But not to murder someone. Not to... Not to do any of the things you're supposed to do. Not to really hover over a corpse, really, usually. Not always. Not always. So, after two days of intense... So, at this point, they were like, what the fuck, guy? Like, you did it. Spill it. After two days of intensive questioning on the afternoon of January 4th, 1981, Sutcliffe suddenly declared that he was the Ripper. Uh, Over the next... That was easy. Yes. After two days of questioning, he finally was like, yeah, but it was me. And then, over the course of the next day, he calmly described his many attacks in detail. Um, and then weeks later, he claimed that God had told him to do it. Okay. You know. Okay. As God does. As God does. Uh, so he apparently only displayed emotion when he was telling the story of his youngest victim, Jane. And uh, when he was questioned about the murder of Joan Harrison, he vehemently denied committing it. And um, that murder had actually been linked to him through the the it's, it was called the Wareside jack so the guy who called and made all those like recordings and like they called him Wareside jack mm-hmm. because they linguists determined that his accent was like a Wareside accent okay so they called him Wareside jack so they had connected another murder of this woman named joan harrison to the to Wareside jack but it but he was vehemently denying that like he had anything to do with it and then in, it wasn't until 2011 that DNA evidence actually proved that that murder had been convicted by, like, a completely different person. Who oh, had, okay. Well, at least he's finally honest. Right. He was like, I didn't do that one. <laughs> so, and that guy had died in 2008. So, it's just interesting that that guy who had left those messages and stuff, like, really fucked up so bad. Like, he... That's amazing. He like and not in a good way. No, just a, yeah, truly he, an amazement. Truly, he probably could have prevented like many people from dying. It's really imagine crazy. that guilt. It's going to bed up. with that every night. Yeah, because he was like having some fun. Yeah, it's really fucked up. Um, so at his trial, um, Sutcliffe pleaded not guilty to thirteen charges of murder, but guilty to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. Uh, he claimed that he had actually just been the tool of God's will. Mm, same. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, he said that he had heard voices that ordered him to kill sex workers. Actually, it said the voices ordered me to kill prostitutes uh, while working as a grave digger. That's when he first heard the voices. 
Um, and then he said that the voice is actually originated from a headstone of a deceased Polish man. Oh, my. Named Bronislaw Sapolsky. Okay. And that the voices were actually the voice of God. Wow. All right. Let's just breathe that one in for a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's just soak it in. I don't want to. Me neither. So he ended up eventually pleading guilty to seven charges of attempted murder. Okay. So he ended up pleading guilty to seven charges of attempted murder. Um, the prosecution was planning on accepting his plea after four psychiatrists diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. But then the trial judge uh, demanded like a really detailed explanation of the of the reasoning, which was which is pretty uncommon. Uh-huh. Um, and so after two hours of an explanation by the attorney general and then a 90-minute lunch break and another 40 minutes of legal discussion, the judge rejected the diminished responsibility plea and the expert testimonies of the psychiatrist and insisted that the case should be dealt with by a jury. So he was like, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to buy this, like... Um, Insanity move. E- exactly. And it was really out of the ordinary because typically a judge wouldn't go that far to like disprove that right anyway so he was like this needs to be dealt with by a jury and uh that was set to commence on may 5th 1981 so the trial lasted two weeks and despite the efforts of his counsel Sutcliffe was found guilty of murder on all counts and was sentenced to 20 concurrent sentences of life imprisonment. Um, the judge said that Sutcliffe was beyond redemption and hoped he would never leave prison. And recommended a term of 30 years to be served before, before parole could be considered. Meaning Sutcliffe would have, been, would have been unlikely to be freed until at least 2011. And then on July... 16, 2010, the court issued Sutcliffe with a whole life tariff, which is pretty uncommon, but it basically means he has no, it's like life without parole. Like he just can't leave. Wow. Ever. Um, and apparently only a handful of people hmm. received that. Wow, wow. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Um, after his trial, Sutcliffe admitted to two other attacks, uh, and it was decided that prosecution for these offenses was, quote, not in the public interest. So they just let them go, even though he admitted to them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Controversial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and then the police also made it clear that these victims wished to remain anonymous. So we don't actually know who they were, even though he admitted to killing them. Um, all in all, he was convicted of murdering 13 women and attempting to murder seven others. Um, but at the same time, it's believed that there were a lot of other victims that didn't come up in the trial or, you know, weren't technically, he wasn't technically charged with. Right, right. Um, and actually in response to the police, so the police received a lot of criticism about how they handled the case. Um, And in response, uh, the Leeds Revolutionary Feminist Group organized a number of Reclaim the Night marches. So uh, the group and other feminist group had criticized the police for victim blaming, especially especially the suggestion that women should remain indoors at night. 
Um, and 11 marches in various towns across the UK took place on November 12th, 1977. And basically their point was that women should be able to walk anywhere without restriction and that they should not be blamed for men's violence. So it kind of like created this counter movement of like, this is it's not our fault. We shouldn't have to be the ones who like hide and whatever. Right. Um, and then following his conviction and incarceration, Sutcliffe uh, changed his name to Peter Coonan, which was his mother's maiden name. Okay. You that's, know, just take that for what you will. It's emotionally bold. Just, yeah, absorb okay. it. Okay. Um, and then despite being found sane at his trial, he was later diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Um, and then attempts to send him to a secure psychiatric unit were blocked. Um, he was assaulted several times in jail, uh, once by a man named James Costello, a 35-year-old career criminal with several convictions for violence, um, who followed him into the hospital wing at, at Parkhurst Prison and plunged a broken coffee jar into the left side of his face. Fuck. Creating four wounds that required 30 stitches. Uh, while he was in jail, in 1982, his wife obtained a separation from him and then divorced him in 1994. Um, so that was 12 years later. Wow. <laughs> On February 23rd of 1996, Sutcliffe was attacked in his room. Um, Paul Wilson, a convicted robber, asked to borrow a videotape then attempted to strangle him with the cable from a pair of stereo headphones. And then after an attack with a pen by a, like literally a fucking ballpoint pen, uh, by a fellow inmate named Ian Kay on March 10th, 1997, Sutcliffe lost vision in his left eye. So he was completely blinded in his left eye. Oh my God. And his right eye was severely damaged. On December 22nd, 2007, Sutcliffe was attacked by a fellow inmate who lunged at him with a metal cutlery knife while shouting, quote, you fucking raping, murdering bastard. I'll blind your fucking other eye. At least someone's doing it. Someone needs to set the record straight, man. Um, But while he was being attacked, Sutcliffe flung himself backwards and the blade missed his right eye and stabbed him in the cheek. Okay. Um, he told police this year, or like a few months ago, uh, that he, I think it was actually the end of 2017, so not technically this year, but a few months ago, he told police that, um, and prison officials that he thinks he will be dead within a year because of his failing health, and he would like to go back to the prison that he was at before so that he can be with his friends. Yeah. I know. And before Christmas, he was like, it's the holidays. I want to go back and be with my old friends. And they were like, um, that's not how this works. Yeah, you're in prison. But he did get, like, LASIK eye surgery for his eye problems. And some of the victims' families are very... Pissed? Pissed, yeah. Because they're like, why is the government paying for his LASIK eye surgery? Like, yeah, let him fucking pay for that at the very least. Or, like, why yeah. are we even... Yeah. So it's kind of controversial. In that regard... Um, but he believes that he should be allowed back for Christmas with his friends. Whatever. He's now 71 years old. Um, he's actually, this year, in 2018, has been questioned uh, regarding 17 unsolved attacks that 
are very similar in MO to the ones that he was convicted of. And they're, they're thought to bear chilling similarities to the, um, the crimes that he actually did admit to committing. Um, and the list of attacks is thought to include several that include hammers as a weapon, uh, just like what he used on all his other victims. Um, and he recently wrote a letter because he was accused of potentially having something to do with two men who died. And he wrote a letter that said, yes, I did some bad things, but I just want people to know I did not attack or murder any males. Oh, wow. That makes you feel a lot more. Brava. 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 Indeed. Um, But West Yorkshire police decided in February of 2018. So literally last month that uh, it's not worth it to charge him with any more offenses because he's basically there for 20 life sentences. And it's kind of sad because it, I mean, I, I understand they have other stuff to, I guess, yeah, work on, but no, but I get it. Yeah, so that's the story of the fucked up dude named the Yorkshire Ripper. Wow. Thanks, Claire slash Ava Woods author. <laughs> Thank you for that disturbing little little story that I can't get out of my head that for the little, rest of my life. Now. That little ditty. <sighs> you know what fucked me up was when you did Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. That was pretty fucked up. Oh, thanks. It's like alarming to hear the violent stuff from another person because I feel like I already know it. So saying it is I'm not... so normalized to you telling me horrible things. I now. know. I must have just like traumatized you to a point where you don't react. I'm just like, oh, yeah, got stabbed. Got when it. you were telling me about like Jack the Ripper. Uh, uh, I feel like that one wasn't even that bad compared to so wasn't. many other things I, that you've had to tell me. I think it was just like I get through it when I do notes mm-hmm. and then I tell you, but like just hearing it for the first time is like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Anyway. So that's my story. Oh, good. Ugh. Just do your thing. Do your thing. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at ATWWD Podcast. You can also find our Patreon at patreon.com slash ATWWD Podcast. Please, please, please donate. You don't realize how much you help. We also have a website, and that's where we drink.com. We have a store, and that's where we drink.bigcartel.com. We also have our email, and that's why we drink at gmail.com, where you can send in your personal true crime slash paranormal stories because we put out a new listeners episode every first of the month. Yeah, we do. You can also follow us on our personals, VM Schultz and X Teen Schiefer. Aren't we supposed to do a uh, Facebook Live? I fucked up because... Oh, we also have not done a Facebook Live this month. What about next Saturday, the 31st? It's the last day of the month. Oh, okay. Should we do it Saturday or Sunday? Oh, you're going to do your... You're doing your conference. So Saturday. No, that's Sunday. this Sunday. I know, but I'm saying so we can't do it Sunday. So oh, Saturday. I can't do it this Sunday. Okay, so on Saturday. Like next Saturday, right. though, right? Okay, yeah. the 31st. We are also doing our live <laughs> show. Our li- or We're also doing our Facebook Live uh, at the very end of this month. Because Sorry, guys. we have been negligent. There's a lot of traveling going on and shit like that. So March 31st, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll create an event in the ATWWD group if you are a patron, Patreon donor go go there it's a shame that you only have like seven days to hear this episode or else you don't see our 
I mean, a we'll lot post of, it. A lot of times we do do that though. We're like, it's tomorrow. Whoops. Um, and then at the end of the next day, we're gonna have a listeners episode. <gasps> Crazy. And it'll be April Fool's Day. Lots of shit is happening. Lots of stuffs going on. So life is exciting and grand. Oh wow. Thank you guys for listening and that's why we drink. drink. That's why we drink. That's what I'm gonna do the whale sound. Okay, do it. Nope. Oh. I saw your mean glint. <laughs> That's why we drink. <laughs> In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.